This is Jocko Podcast number 194 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. As a leader, you have to put others before yourself. And that starts at the beginning and it starts with everything that you do. You have to let the men eat first. You have to make sure that they have the gear that they need. You have to let them get rest before you do. That's how it works. You have to make sure that they have what they need to accomplish the mission. And then on top of that, you have to make sure that the mission aligns with the good of the troops. And this is hard for some people to understand, but this applies to any organization, the military, a business, a sports team. And you have to make sure that the troops understand that there may be short-term sacrifice. There may even be the ultimate sacrifice in war. Men may be killed for the cause. But that cause must be just. And that cause must, even in death, benefit those who may have to give that last full measure. And that, that may sound impossible, actually. Because how can anyone benefit from their own death? And the answer is actually quite simple. When military personnel risk their lives, they do so to provide safety and security for their country. The country where their families live. And those individuals put their families above themselves. And as a military leader, if you do see that a mission does not ultimately lead to the safety and security of the families of the people that you do lead, then it's your obligation to raise this up the chain of command and fix it. And the same thing holds true in business. As a leader, you must put the good of the troops above yourself. Now, the thing that might seem impossible here is that the overarching measurement of the success of a business is to be profitable and to maximize profit. One of the things that you do is you cut costs and one of the easiest places to cut costs in any business is people. You minimize what you're paying people or you get rid of people and then you maximize profit. So how can this leadership principle work? How can you take care of people while at the same time maximizing profitability? And the answer is that you have to look at the long game. You have to see that the stronger you build a business, the more long-term stability you build, and the more long-term stability you build, the more stability you build for your employees. And when you're stable, that allows you to grow. And when you grow your business, 
the employees have the opportunity for growth. And those opportunities improve the lives for everyone, for the employees, for their family, and thereby the whole community. That's what happens. But then what happens when leaders don't put their people first? In the military, it can result in operations gone wrong. It can result in senseless strategies. And in the military, it can result in wasted lives. And in business, you can see another kind of destruction. In business, it can mean loss of growth, for sure. It can mean loss of revenue. Yes, it can mean loss of jobs. But eventually, it can mean the collapsing of communities, the collapsing of cultures. Now, of course, a balance has to be found and profitability must be maintained. But the dollar must not trump the people. And it certainly must not. Regardless of your capitalistic goals, the dollar must not trump the communities that built the businesses in the first place. The pursuit of money must not jeopardize the very fabric of the country that gives us the promise for the unhindered pursuit of that money in the first place. And yet we've seen that take place. We've seen that take place in our own country. In cities and in towns and in states where saving a dollar meant closing a mill. It meant shutting down a factory. In places where making more money in the next financial quarter caused leadership to forget the long-term impact and sell the future of those people for cash in hand in the immediate. And that disease, that plague of greed can spread. And it has hurt various parts of America at various times. And when that's happening, while the people at the top might build themselves a fortune, it's a fortune built on despair and it's a fortune built on destruction and in the end that will come back to haunt them because it is not the right thing to do and it does not have to be that way because there are leaders who recognize the long term positive impact of growth and the long-term positive impact of putting your people first. Putting your community first. Putting your country first.
And one of those leaders happens to be a business partner of mine, happens to be a friend of mine, and his name is Pete Roberts, the founder of Origin USA. And once again, we are in the woods, in the foothills of Maine's Western Mountains for our jujitsu immersion camp, which means it's time for us to record a podcast. And if you don't know Pete, then go back and listen to podcast 93 and then listen to podcast 141 and then you can rejoin us here because once again, we have Pete Roberts on the podcast. Pete, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That was powerful. I was just, you, you know, you get into that rhythm and I'm just, my head's, go, I just catch myself going up and down like shit. The way you captured what you just said is, I try to say the same thing. I say it differently, but man, the, the impact, you know, and, and how important community is. I know how, how important it was to New England towns, but it's not just New England towns. It's all towns, mm-hmm. all people. And uh, man, you're absolutely right. Well, with the, with the standard that we're holding at Origin, mm. the standard is made in America, right? We see every single day, every single day, a corner that could be cut. We could make a compromise. And you know what? The profit margins would increase. Yep. The profit margins would increase a little bit. And, and every day, you and I get to see that. And you're in it. You know, you're here. You get to see it, you know, five times a day, eight times a day. You see a decision that could be made. You know what? Hey, we could just get this thing instead. And the profit margins go up a little bit. And every day, you hold the line. Yeah, and I think if you, you know, like the statement I like to make is, well, if you, if you follow the truck back to the source, you're going to end up in a cotton field in the Tennessee Delta region. So if, you, if that's your standard, the supply chain is between here and there. Like, like you said, like, oh, yeah, we could, like building the boots or the jeans, the little buttons, the little brass buttons, the leather tags, all these things. If you follow that supply chain back, you're touching not just your local community, but the thousands and thousands of hands and all the communities in between that supply chain. And I think that's the easiest place that you could get rid of some of that. Mm-hmm. But it's also the most important if, it, if you're truly doing something more than trying to, trying to earn your way to the top, right? And uh, I think that in the past, you know, we've, talk, we've discussed this, you know, in depth. In the past, you know, and you look at all the free trade agreements, and all that stuff, whatever, whatever, you know, the side you're on on that thing. It was greed. Mm-hmm. It was greed. And the people do the work, you know. Yeah, there's minds at the top, you know, and there's minds crunching numbers and designing stuff. But the people do the work. You know, and the beautiful thing that we're doing is we're, we're resurrecting that heritage. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we've been together now, what, three years? I think yeah. it's been about three years. And going from, I don't know what we started at, like what, 10 people or eight? I think 12? there was eight people, eight people. When, I, when, when I came, when we merged, it was eight people. So maybe last year we had 25 people. Mm-hmm. There's 50 people now yeah. in the factory, yeah. 50 people. Yeah, you know, the, um, and I was telling kind of the crew this the other day when we gave the tour. You know, I'm sitting here saying this stuff, right? And, and I'm talking about being greedy. 
And immediately, if you go, okay, well, this guy's not greedy, there's like a, there's like a point where you say, okay, well, what does he believe in? And I actually, in my mind, I was thinking that, because here I am talking about, hey, you can't be greedy. And then I said, listen, I am, I am an absolute hardcore capitalist, mm-hmm. and I love deal making. I mean, you, you get to see me now because yeah, yeah, we do yeah, business. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love making deals. I love making things happen. I love making money. Like it's great. I, it's it's a it's a it's a great contest. It's a great way to keep score. You know, it's it's fun, right? And I'm absolutely a capitalist, but there's such an easy line to draw. I don't even think it's that hard to draw. It's not like it's a hard decision to make and, oh, I don't know what I should do. It's like, no, you you make money, but you do the right thing and you make sure that you're taking care of people. You're making sure you're making the right decisions and that's what you do. And this is the, the, the cool thing about it and this is where people make the mistake is in the long run, in the long run, you'll do better. It's just like leadership, just like leadership. If you're taking care of your people, in the long run, they're gonna take care of you. And that's going to be the the long term victory is going to be better than looking for the short term. Hey, I bark at you. if you work for me and I bark at you and you go ahead and do it right now because you don't want to get in trouble. But you're looking for another job, even though I got you to do what I want you to do. It doesn't matter. Long term, I'm going to lose. And when I'm taking investment away from the people that actually support the community where we are, then that's just a bad decision in the long run. And again, short term, it looks might look great. Yeah. Long term, what does it look like? It's a bad deal. It's a bad deal for the community, which makes it a bad deal for the country. And if the if our country's having a hard time, well, guess what? What have we got? 100%. You've got abandoned mills and factories falling apart in these towns. 100%. So you just talked about growth. What, what have you seen from a leadership perspective? You've doubled inside, in size. And I know I said to you the other day, I said, hey, Pete, it's going to get to a point where you're not going to be able to really... You know, when you got 20 people, we got eight people, clearly, you, you, you I mean. Personal the, relationships the, with everybody. Families are eight people, yeah, right? Exactly. When you got 25 people, well, now we're talking cousins and uncles and aunts. Maybe you <laughs> don't know all of them that well, and there's probably that one weird, you know, couple. You've recruited all you can. Yeah, yeah, like you're there. And now when you get to 50 people, well, there's people that, you know, you, you're, you're, just, you're just not sure, and, and you don't see them every day because you're busy, they're busy, they're working, you're working. So you start to, you start to rely on you start to rely more on your leadership team to carry the message through the company. How's that been for you? Honestly, I'll tell you, and I don't want this to sound like, you know, oh, this is, this is the, the only thing you should go by. But dude, when, when we did, when we like, when I pushed extreme ownership, I, I had a stack of books and all my leadership and anybody else interested, I didn't just hold it to the leadership, mm-hmm. but anyone interested in being part of this company long-term, I want you to read this book. I'd recommend you read this book. And I had people say, well, I, I, I don't read. And I'd be like, cool, I'll pay for, I'll pay for, for oh, yeah. download it on your phone. I'll give you cash, download it. And that's what I, you know, and it's like, well, I don't have time. Oh, well, put the headphones on while you're sewing, yep. download it, you know, and I got, I gotcha. So that changed a lot. Mm-hmm. It changed, it changed me a lot. And we've talked about this in the past, but the biggest thing is how important for me decentralized command was the decentralized command and decentralized command. And the biggest part of that was I, I was telling you this the other day, like 70, 100. What do I mean? Well, 
you've got to allow people and empower people and your leaders to make decisions, Mm -hmm. right? And if you can get them to a 70% decision, (laughs) which I learned at the muster also, (laughs) you know, and I took, if you can get them there, man, that's a, that's a great thing. Here's a great example. We're sitting here in this pro shop at the immersion camp to get everything here. It took, it took five or six trucks. I'm talking a 26 foot Mm U-Haul, an 18 foot trailer, another 24 foot trailer. And it took a team of 20 people to get everything here. And I took my wife, Amanda to the, um, to the muster in DC and my father-in-law, Joe Mm -hmm. and Brian, our business partner came and his wife, Megan, and, and, and we went through it. And when you discussed this, does it always have to be 100%? Like, I feel like I'm gonna make a 100% decision. Maybe that's a little bit of ego talking, you know, but I feel like my decision is always gonna be 100% right. Yeah. And I thought that it was too, too dangerous to allow anything less. So what I used to do is I used to flank people to buy into my idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. flank them to buy into my idea yeah. until they until they could see it, but I had to get them to see it yeah. to buy in. And now it's it's different. And it's like setting up this pro shop, I know we were it was early in the morning and he's like, Man, your team's your team's going early, right? And I was like, Yeah, they were up at five getting everything set up. And I was like, But I'm not there right now. I'm I'm hanging back. There's a few things I gotta do here to prep and Amanda's handling it, my wife is handling it. And I'm like, it's the 70, 100. And you're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, the 70%, 100. He's like, you're like, check. <laughs> she, she called me two hours later. We're good to go. Yep. I was like, I don't think I could have gotten that done in two hours. Yep. My 100%, I don't think I would have gotten it done in two hours. Yep. It maybe would have been another 70%. Maybe it would have been 65. Maybe it would have been. Maybe it would have been an 80. Maybe it would have been an 82. The bottom line, any of that discussion, argument, you know, planning would have just wasted valuable time on both ends. Yep. And, and, but we did do that. We did because I, I, it was the night before I was like, but can you see logistically that coming into this camp in the woods, you can't get four trucks in. Uh I'm like, you gotta be able to see that you need to, this needs to happen methodically, Uh you know? So as this one's unloading and leaving the next one's coming in, so you're saying you did waste time discussing it? I did. I did. And then you let it go. And then I that's let it go. Yeah. Yep. I said, I think you've got a good plan. I think that's going to work. Let me know what you need. And I got behind supporting the plan. That's the way. That's yeah. So there's a there's a great example of decentralized command. And so that's now what you've had to do with everything, everything. because you can't manage it all. Because this is you know we work with at Echelon Front. We work with. All, all different companies, but obviously we work with startup companies and we see this kind of growth and these are the kind of things that trip them up. They get the guy who's a visionary, like you're the big visionary, and then you start saying, well, I can, you know, I started this thing, when I started this thing, I was making every decision, and now all of a sudden you look up and if you were trying to make every single decision that was going on in the factory, it would be a total disaster. Oh, a thousand percent, (laughs) a thousand percent. What, What has necessitated the the doubling in size this year. And it's not just a doubling in people, because when you get people, what else do you need? You need space. Yeah. So we got two more buildings. Yeah. Man, the the new the Origin Labs facility, the warehouse, that was a super challenge, dude. We I don't know if you know, remember on the, the Instagram, I don't know if you saw that echo, like all of a sudden it was flooded. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had the spray foam because, you know, this isn't a 
extreme environment, right? Extreme hot and extreme cold during the winter, but we're trying to get everything into the warehouse. It's not insulated. We got to get a heating system in and you know, it's just one of those things where you just grind and grind and grind, but we, we negotiated a great deal on that property and the next property is going to allow us to expand a little more, you know, and I think, I think that, I think we're going to have some challenges ahead of us because we've expanded into three locations, but we've almost created a Bermuda triangle of sorts. The way that we secured the locations, the facilities, it's efficient. It's like lean manufacturing of, you know, in between the factories, you know, the way you can get from you know one point to the next to maximize, maximize your time. But you know, the labs facility is awesome and what are we fulfilling 500 to a thousand packages a day out of there mm-hmm. we're fulfilling yeah all leaned out from a shipping perspective yeah and in the next facility which we'll be moving into what next week mm-hmm. <laughs> next week you want to hang out and move some of those machines with us i wish i could actually <laughs> be badass uh where all the the shoe manufacturing machinery will be going and the screen printing and some raw raw goods materials so 22,000 square feet there, 17,000 square feet in labs. And of course we're chewed up 21,000 square feet currently. So growing quickly and yeah, leadership has been essential and decentralized command essential in that growth and impossible without it. And seeing your, and I noticed this from early, you know, I'd come up and someone would pull me aside and say, Hey, you know, in chapter four, you're talking about this, you know, and they'd ask me questions. Yeah. And I'd just be, it was such a, great sign because when people don't recognize how important their job is and how important they are as a leader, it, that's not, that's just, it's just not going to work. But when someone realizes that they're having a huge impact with every part of their department and that their leadership is the most important thing in that department, when they realize that and they start taking ownership of it, that has an impact. And, and that's what it was good for. And I saw that early on. I saw that early on, you know, we did like a little a little session and yeah. but and people were asking me questions during the session but afterwards you know people coming up hey i wanted to want to ask this in front of everyone but what do you think about this how should i handle that and so the people are aware and that's i think that's one of the things that has i'm not saying there's not growing pains because i mean of course there's growing pains but most of the growing pains are are like um almost like physical growing pains. Sure. You know, like when when your son grows four inches in six months and he says, you know, hey, my, my knees, knees kind of hurt. Yeah. That's just a physical, yes, it's going to hurt. You're growing. Sorry, dude. But as far as, you know, the psychological trauma of all the, you know, brain damage about this and that, the other thing is very limited right now, which is amazing to see. Yeah, it is. And you, we're talking about people who weren't leaders prior to origin, mm-hmm. you know, nobody had a leadership position. Nobody had a, a management position, you know, in the, the leaders that we've built they're they're not entitled to it. You know, it's, it's weird because you, you got people who go through, let's say they go to college to be, you know, business management or leadership or whatever. There's so much potential in people who just want to work and be part of something. There's so they find so much motivation in that. I would rather have someone, and when I, when I do like job interviews, I say, hey, like one of the first questions, are you looking for a job? Are you looking for a career? And that's kind of a loaded question. Right. When I hear, I'm looking for a career. Okay, 
we're going to dig deeper into this conversation now. I'd rather take someone who's looking for a career that has no leadership skills and give them the opportunity. Because I know long term, they're going to be an incredible asset yeah. to the company. And that's the same theory that we have with EF Overwatch, with, with hiring vets, with bringing vet, vets in. Mm-hmm. Look, a veteran might not have worked in whatever industry you're in, but that person is hungry, they got leadership skills, they got discipline, they, and especially the group that we got, we got they, they study and train in extreme ownership and the principles, so they, they know how to lead. And we're getting the feedback that we're getting is phenomenal because people hire somebody and they go, well, they, you know, they feel like they're taking a little bit of a risk because the person, it's, you know, it's this person that was in the, in the army for 21 years or this person who's been in the whatever industry, the, 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 the gas oil industry for 21 years. And you think, well, we should probably just hire the guy that kind of has experience. And we're finding over and over and over again that guess what? You take that person that's really hungry, that has good leadership skills, they step into that role, they learn the this industry specific stuff, and they and they rock and roll. And I tell I tell kids this all the time, not not kids, but you know college kids, college graduates, college graduates. If you're that person that will work hard, you can. There's so many companies, because I work with so many companies, they, there's a drought of people. No one's like, hey, yep, we got all the good. I've never, I have never been to a company where they said, yep, we got all the good people we need. We don't need anyone else. We don't need any other good people. I've never heard anyone say anything close to that, ever. Even companies where you know people are banging on the door to get in, big tech companies that have, that have popcorn machines in the hallways oh, and yeah. pinball. Ping oh, that, I want to work there, yeah. right? Yeah. There's people banging on the door to get there. You know what those t- big tech companies say? They say, how do you think we could get better people that are willing to go hard? So it's exactly what you're saying. If, you're, if you look for someone, if you look for somebody ha- that has that hunger and has that desire, and then they actually have to have it. Because believe me, there's people that can interview great and say, oh yeah, I love to grind. What's your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness is sometimes I work too hard, right? That person, <laughs> and then you show up and they're, they're, in, they're in the freaking Twinkie stash. So I'm not talking about that I person. I, sometimes I get in the Twinkie stash. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you getting in the donut stash today. Bro, Bro. are you okay? No, I'm, I'm there and I'm good now. <laughs> you had like insulin spike. Your face was kind of sagging. I was swaying. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go lay down. Yeah, I mean, oh, I man. can literally never eat a donut again. If I do, I always think there's going to be someone with a with an iPhone over there in the corner, and that's going to be the viral. Vi- the only viral video of Jocko won't be something that Echo made. It'll, <laughs> maybe, be, maybe it'll, be, it'll be me eating a donut. Yeah, maybe my video of you eating a donut. That would watch that, out. That would be a that would be a, a major kind of situation that we'd have to discuss. Yeah, it's like treasonous. Kind yeah, of, kind yeah. Of scenario. That would be. I've I haven't been betrayed very much. <laughs> In fact, I've only been betrayed one time. But. If that I would consider that, we'd have to we'd have to put that in That'd the be list. Number that two. would be a consideration yeah. of betrayal. Yeah, I don't think I would do that. But don't worry, you don't have to worry because I'm not eating any donuts. Yes, sir. Echo, right. did you have any baklava the other day? Yes. How many pieces? Two. Two pieces. That's a yeah. good, that's a good start. How many did you feed me? Oh, dude, I would just kept shoveling. You were busy. <laughs> I don't think you even know you were taking. What them. is what is like the sweet like part? The the, the the moist like the really like almost wet part. That's like the 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 honey, the, okay. the sugar syrup. <laughs> but the, you know that's a special recipe. Yeah. You know we were we when we were uh, 
we went to Harry's diner. We were in New York City and ha- at Harry's Steakhouse. Uh-huh. We were eating with Harry, and yeah. we sent him baklava. Uh-huh. And my mom, she she called me, and she's like, "You sent baklava to New York City to a guy who owns a big restaurant." I go, "Yeah." She goes, "You didn't send the recipe, did you?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, I just sent him baklava." <laughs> she was upset. She yeah. thought I had like sent him the recipe to make the baklava. It is it is le- legit a secret recipe, and there's one thing that she does to make uh, it as good. And I'll I'll tell you what it is after the podcast. Check. It's no one else does it. Check. It's an old Spartan recipe. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's Pete's mom's special recipe. Okay, so there's got to be demand. There's got to be uh, something driving this growth. Obviously, you know, and it's been a it's been a continual kind of. Rapid, no, not rapid. Conti- there's just continual product invention, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And and one of the things, and and you and I were talking this morning. I was holding, I was putting on a, I was getting another uh, Rift Gi. Yeah. And I know not everyone does jujitsu, but the Rift Gi is like, it's like a complete. It, it's it's like a new product. It's like it doesn't exist until now. And it's weird to say that about. I guess it'd be. I don't know. What's a good? What's a clothing product that like completely changed? Like it didn't exist and now it does. Well, it, I would say that's easy. That that would be the compression shirt Under Armour came out with. Because okay. we we both played college football. Remember we had the grays, the cotton, the cotton yeah, shirts, yeah. and the cotton shorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you wore that cotton T-shirt underneath football pads. And then Under Armour came out with the the, the football shirt. Mm-hmm. And it changed. It changed the game. Yep. Now, now you would. You're not going to play with this old thing anymore. Never wear anything else again. Right. And that's what the rift is like. You're yes. not. You're not going to. You're not going to go. Oh, cool. I'm just going to wear another gi today because I have it. No. No. I just. I'm just going to wear this gi. The. The the whole thing is engineered, brand new. Yeah. Right. You. I. Did you? Was the football jersey thing like? Was that an inspiration for coming up with the rift? I absolutely absolutely the because the performance like we developed this polysynth fiber <laughs> you know what I like to say is you know we we didn't just manufacture it we synthesized this thing <laughs> you know what I mean like it's synthesized and we you know I don't I don't know if I told you how much money we spent on developing this you fiber might kept, you might have kept that from me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably just didn't think tell you but you know we we had the I think I told you we had to order yeah, this whole batch me. of yes. yarn we had yeah. and you've got to set up the friggin loom and there's 3000 ends right and it and it takes 60 hours to set it up and and we had to have the yarn spun and then we did it and we're like it's not good enough mm-hmm. so you have all these prototypes you know, we've got to get rid of. Then we've got to get the yarn again. They were like, it's not twisted strong enough. It's pilling too much. We need to tuck the ends. And you're talking these little freaking fibers, mm-hmm. individual fibers, you know? And well, it's not abrasion resistance enough. And so, you know, it, when you take away the garment itself and the cut and the spiral wrap and how it functions on your body and you go right back to the fiber, that's where we had to start. You know, we had to start from that point and then develop the weave, the Dragon Weave Gen 3. And it's hard to explain unless you put it on. Of course, you were down there again like King Arthur, like, <laughs> the rift, behold. <laughs> <laughs> and you put it on, you know, and you're like, bro, bro, 
this thing is just ridiculous. Yeah. And, and that was, by the way, fresh out of the package. Yeah. When you take any piece of clothing fresh out of the package, it, it well, in, in my opinion, it all sucks coming out of the package. When you take it out of the package, you're, eh, you know, this doesn't, this thing is out of the package, it's brand new, and you put it on, and it feels like, it feels like it's been. You skinned a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. Something like that. So, so that's like an example of product moving forward, making things. And, and this is the, the, the other kind of thing that is happening because of our sport. Stuff has to be extremely durable, right? Yeah. So you're making something that just doesn't feel good because you can make something that feels good. It has to be durable. And that's the tricky part, right? Because if you look at the way they make things soft or uh, to feel good against the skin, usually what that means is they're deteriorating the textile a little bit, right? They're breaking it down so that those fibers touch your skin and they feel all smooth and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we, we couldn't deteriorate the strength of the garment. So we had to find a way to do that with the yarn. Right, that's the key is find a way to make the yarn comfortable and then the weave and then make the garment form around your body. And the way I explain it is like if you took a if you took a baseball or a lacrosse ball and you took this piece of paper and you wrapped it around, see if you can get it smooth. Mm-hmm. Can you get it smooth? No, you're gonna have wrinkles all through it. Right? And and that's what basically every gi on the planet is like. All right, now if you take that same piece of paper and you just strip it into straight strips and then you start wrapping those strips around that ball, what are you gonna get? You're gonna get a smooth surface. Mm-hmm. And that's why we call it the spiral wrap because it strips that spiral around your body you know, in seven, seven panels. And uh, yeah, it's innovative. I don't know if there's another, it shouldn't exist. The, the garment shouldn't exist. Yeah. So coming off of that and while you're working on that, and I'm all, this is coming home from a trip where I was up here and seeing the factory and being, you know, just kind of uh, in that spiritual high mm. from seeing our people, American people, working hard, like dedicated, like passionate about doing a good, like just seeing everything in action. And I was flying home and I remember I was laid over somewhere and I'm sitting in the airport and I'm just looking at everyone while I'm sitting there. And I see that, and I called you, and I said, hey, Pete, man. And you said, yeah. And I said, how many people do you know that, you, that do jujitsu? And you're like, um, I don't know, 100? And I was like, cool. How many people do you know that wear jeans? And you said, everyone. <laughs> and I said, I'm in the airport right now, and Eight out of ten people are wearing jeans. I remember that conversation. We need to make jeans. And you go, I've always wanted to make jeans. (laughs) (laughs) You said, I've always wanted to make jeans. And that was the opening of a whole new game, right? A whole new market and a whole new world. From that conversation, what was the next step from there you know when we had that conversation and i don't know you might have told me this fact in america there's 300 million americans you know how many americans actually own jeans 298 million (laughs) 298 million people own jeans and there's two million communists that don't own jeans (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it was, uh, I knew we could make the product, you know, and honestly, like, I always wanted, like, I couldn't afford nice jeans as a kid. You know, I remember going into, like, the Banana Republic or the Gap and basically looking at stuff and trying it on. And, uh, you know, four kids, my mom, you know, $24,000 a year with four kids. She just didn't have a lot of extra. And we would get, like, one nice thing before the school year started. And, of course, school starts for our kids. My daughter started school today. You know, and I think about what she has and what, you know, the hard, what hard work has, has allowed us to do for the kids to start school with a new pair of sneakers and some clothes. And I think about like jeans have always been important to me because we couldn't afford them. And it was, it was always the, it wasn't just the style of it, but it made you feel alive. It made, they made you feel free, you know, and they've always represented that. I mean, in digging into denim in the, around the globe, not just America, if you start connecting denim, you see they represent like freedom, revolution, independence, empowerment, right? They represent these things. And I was so damn excited you were on board with it. I just like, yes, I think it was just like, yep. You just needed a little, you were like Frankenstein, just needed a little spark. Yeah, you know, when to of come course, to life. well, you know, as, as a, exactly, exactly. Just turn it on because. You know, managing, you know, all these people, managing, you know, the factory, a couple locations and the growth, right? Of course, you don't want to make mistakes. You still got to be a little bit naive enough to think you can you can do it, though. Mm-hmm. And I knew we could do it because we've been making this stuff for combat sports. We've been making products that people are yanking on, ripping at, pulling, wrapping around arms and heads with. <laughs> And I knew we had the setup to make durable goods. And denim was, to me, it was like, well, if we make this, it will be the most durable jeans ever made. Because we're gonna apply the same techniques and concepts we've developed for the past six years, manufacturing stuff for combat sports. And we're gonna apply the same thing to this. And that's what we did. And we just did it, man. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. I, got, I, I mean, we got Lisa, our pattern maker, and we just started, started having her work, and I'd overnight do samples, send them yep. back, wear them, you know, <laughs> and the first ones weren't amazing. They were, but honestly, like, got the textile right. You know, American cotton, little bit of stretch, you know, mm-hmm. modern, but still super durable, and then we started sewing it together with those three-needle, like, chain stitch machines. Yep. Which you just don't find anymore. No, nope. you know you just don't. You don't find it. It's hard to do that. Because if you go with two needles, then you cut your cost of thread by a Easy. third. And done. If you, and Easy if, done. And if, you go, if you go into the store and look at what they actually have, it's usually just one thread. Yeah. The seams. You know, it's just one one machine. So and it's easy to cut costs like that. And it's just like, well, that's just not what we're doing. So it was challenging. You know, I think it's not just developing the product because you can, and this is across the board when you're starting something new. Even though we've been making all these geese and and stuff for jujitsu, it's still a different product, mm-hmm. and there's still style. You still have to have some type of style, and you know, I call that form, right? Well, there's there's like jeans out there, and it's all 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 form, right? And then you've got stuff that's just simply function, right? And the the idea is you've got to balance those two things out. You can't be too over the top, too extreme, 
it's just like balancing out leadership. I mean, it's, just, it's really the same thing, form and, form and function, the balance of those two things. You know, and we didn't get it right, right off. You know, and you're like, you're like, bro, this yoke here in the back, you know, the, yep. the riser in the back, just just not doing it for me. Yeah, it was weird too for me to, because I never paid attention to it before, right? But you noticed I, it. I, I nev- oh yeah, no, as soon, as, I, as soon as I got it, I was looking at other jeans that I had and saying, okay, here's what's different. I remember I'd be on like sending you pictures or here's, I didn't even know you, what a yoke was, mm-hmm. but I realized it's like the part below the waistband where it gives you a little separation between the legs of the pants. And I didn't, I never paid attention to it before in my life, but I looked at it, I was like, hey, this seems like it's a lot longer than mine right now. Is there a benefit to that? And you're like, well, here's the benefit. And I said, well, here's the negative. The negative is I've got a pack, I've got a, a, a pocket on my hamstring right now instead of on my ass cheek, which is where it needs to be. Form, a form and function problem. Right, so then it's like, okay, we can tighten that up. So the, the, the other thing that's weird about it that no, that I definitely don't think about is when you make it and you say, okay, this is what we are going to produce and you pull the trigger on that, like that's what you're gonna get. So it mm-hmm. better be good. It's kind of like I do relate in the fact that when you publish a book and you're gonna print 100,000 copies and then you open it up and you find a mistake, that's, that stings. And that's, that stings. And that's what happened. You know, the fir- those right behind you right there. Yeah. We went into production and they're coming off the line, right? We trained everybody and I, I thought we were good to go initially, but they started coming off the line and we weren't used to working with, you know, we were used to working with like compression textile because for all the rash guards and stuff we make, but not a woven. We're used to working with knits. We, we've never worked with a woven. So all of our machines were set up for rigid, right? Textiles that don't stretch. And like the first like few hundred pairs that came off, we started to look at them more intently. And we found that we made some mistakes. And the mistake was somehow it was the, the fabric was starting to grow. T- oh, grow. It was growing because... And this is something machines will never be able to do. Yeah. All right. Machines aren't people. They can't they can't make adjustments on the fly. You can only program a machine to do a task. And it can do that one task well. But it can't recognize when there's something wrong and then make an adjustment. Right? It's gonna do one thing, one speed, one way. That's a beautiful thing about humans, right? And in manufacturing to do it right if they want to do it right. And that's a, that's a key thing right there. They've got to want to do it right because they could just keep rolling even though there's a problem and just keep cranking. And this happens a lot. This happens so in factories. So when you say it was growing, what does that mean? The, the textile, the, the garment was growing because it was either being held too hard or the tension of the machine. And what we found is a mixture of both. Okay. You know, because we're used to making these real, you know, the stuff for jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So you're holding it, and, and, and as as they were holding it, the the textile was growing because there was a little bit of lycra in it. Got it. It was gro- the whole thing was growing. So the the 32s were coming off line, and they're like 36s. So we had to make some adjustments on the fly. Had to change the patterns, recut a batch of denim, and we just. And you know it was the right move. We just didn't release it. Mm-hmm. We're just like, no, that's a big tuition payment. That's just it's just going to be a tuition payment, you know. And and push forward. 
I mean, and some it, of them had did that. Is that what caused like the twist in the seam down yeah. the leg too? My son, my son has a pair, like one of these original ones, and he's, you know, I looked, I looked at him. I was like, yeah, look at the thing. He's like, I don't care, because he's that's cool. You think I don't care about what I look like? My yeah. son is just like, don't care. Yeah, they, he's like, these are the best jeans. I'm just wearing them anyway. So the, the seam on the outside of his leg rolls towards his front. shin in the yep. front. Yeah, we, we on fu- one leg. We found an old <laughs> research, an old research paper from like the 40s. Leg twist in jeans. Was the title of it? No kidding. And so, what what was the cause of that? My old pattern maker, Lisa, she's sixty three, sixty four. She found the paper. She brought it into the factory, and is is a whole research thing, like a college research leg twist in jeans. What it is is that as the textiles being woven, that it's called a twill, and there's uh, you know diagonal lines. If you look at the jeans, diagonal mm-hmm. lines. In order to cut jeans effectively to not get leg twist, you have to cut them in pairs. And those pairs have to be reversed opposite. Uh, and we found that out after close to a thousand pairs. <laughs> yeah, leg twist in jeans. So you talk about manufacturing a product as simple as jeans. Yeah. And I mean, what did it take us before we launched it? I mean, we did it fast, man. Like what, six months, I think? Yeah, yeah. Working you, were on sending, you were sending me pairs pretty quick. Boom, just launching, yeah. So we finally got it figured out and we got them launched and I don't know, I, I, you know, they're freaking phenomenal. I don't know what else to say about the product itself, but man, those, those ladies worked. I'm saying ladies cause our whole, that whole floor is all women yep. between the ages of 20 and 60. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome seeing millennials work that want to work. Yeah. We've got like, you know, 10 of them on that floor cranking, yeah. cranking. And uh, yeah, working together and just like a beehive, man. Just like a freaking beehive walking in that place in the morning. We're gonna, I don't know if you want me to say this or not, but I'm about to. We're gonna make another pair of jeans yep. that's gonna be lighter weight. Now, Echo Charles, you'll, yes. just for your FYI, mm-hmm. the Jocko me, I am requesting lightweight jeans. Okay, good. You know, kind of we weird. Go. Dichotomy. Yeah, dichotomy. Is, don't, don't want the lightweight hoodie. Want the lightweight jeans. Gotcha. Can, do you want to know why? Yes. You know how many times my legs have been cold? You know how many times I've been like, oh, I, I don't want to be outside anymore because my legs are cold. <laughs> never. It's never oh. happened. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I used to wear shorts all the, you know, all year long. There's snowing outside. I wear shorts. Okay. So light, lightweight jeans, that'll be the next Next thing we're gonna make, and, and we've got a little tie back to my heritage in the Navy, in the SEAL teams, because in, the, in Vietnam, the issued fatigues weren't durable enough for the combat operations that the SEALs were doing. And so many of the SEALs in Vietnam wore jeans. And so we're gonna make some jeans. We've got a cool name for them that I will not reveal okay, at this okay, time. Okay, okay. I, just <laughs> I thought you were going to let it rip. I was no. like, I'm waiting for it. Like, yeah. Tell it's, them, too tell cool. them. it's too cool. But you know, the, like I said, the, and, and we just, uh, the last podcast, which you haven't heard yet that, that we just did with a, a seal master chief named Kirby Harrell, who is just as completely legit as they come as frogmen. And yeah, he, you know, he was talking about wearing jeans in Nam. And so yeah, Badass. so we've got that. We've got these lightweight jeans coming. I think that's going to be. And I already have 
I actually already have three pairs. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a pair. I've been I've been testing the goods mm-hmm. myself. So I spent uh, thirty days in Europe last month. I put two hundred miles on the boots, and I think it was twenty thousand miles on the jeans as we traveled. And man, those things are getting worn in, they're fading in, and just the abrasion of movement and motion in life. It's awesome, dude. It's freaking awesome. So. And you know, people are like, why are you so damn excited about jeans? Well, 298 million Americans own jeans because they're cool, but it's really what they represent. You know, and I I learned something recently that, you know, after the great, before the Great Depression, you know, you can go into an old antique store and you see the trunks and they got the stickers all over them or the postcards, Mm -hmm. you know, well, well, people were traveling to Europe before the Great Depression. They were going on vacation for, they'd go for like a month or two at a time, right? And then the Great Depression happened, and every everybody just kind of hunkered down, and they didn't feel confident enough to go on these voyages, right? Ships, these voyages. So what they decided to do is go and explore the American West. And what I've heard is that the cowboys out there were wearing denim blue jeans, and and. The idea, and I'm digging into this through research, is that that's where fashion and jeans started in the U.S. So the city slickers from the east went out west, saw the free-range cowboys, and said, yeah, and and took that free-spirit attitude back to the east coast, and there you go. I still got to prove it, but... That's your theory. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Now, I remember this. I don't. Do you remember? Do you remember like the Berlin Wall? Do you remember East Berlin as well as I do? I, I from like, I from do your childhood. I know because, you know about it now. Yeah, yes, I I do, but I didn't get it. I, I remember watching the wall come down. It was eighty nine. I was ten years old, uh-huh. eleven years old, maybe. And I absolutely remember it. I remember, man. I remember honestly feeling unsure. Because I didn't understand why these men with these sledgehammers were slamming that wall with such anger and then elation. Mm-hmm. Did, didn't register. And I remember the conversation in the house of my parents talking about freedom and communism. And I had no idea what these concepts. I didn't know anything about them. But then when the wall came down and they were accepted into the... In, their friends and family watching them come across. I was just like, they've been separated. Mm -hmm. I just remember that not knowing what communism was or separation or anything. I just remember that they were, they were, they were in prison basically. Yeah. And yeah, of course I was there last month. So I, yeah. Cause what I remember when I was a kid, you know, at, at my school, like kids would go on like a school trip to wherever England or, Spain or something like that, like the Spanish class. There'd be kids that would go on a school trip. And what people would say is like, you gotta bring jeans, bring jeans, you can sell them. Yes. You can sell them. And there was like a black market to get those things into the Eastern Bloc countries. You could sell a pair of American, you know, standard American jeans that cost $16 at the grocery store or at the department store, and you could bring them over there and sell them for $100. I remember hearing that a hundred dollars and I had like 
two pairs of jeans or three pairs of jeans. And I'm thinking, hey, can you take these? Can you try and get $100 for these things? And that was, and that to me has always said that those people over there identified blue jeans like the like you're saying the East Coast did look at the cowboy and said that's the spirit of freedom right there. And you know <laughs> the thing is is you know when I get into something, I go deep. That's why uh, we ended up building a factory in my backyard. <laughs> but I needed I need to understand more about why jeans represented revolution. Anyways, we were we were in East Berlin last month and working on this project, doing some research. And I sat down with a woman who lived in East Germany. Her dad was a spy. And you know, they had, and I didn't realize this, they had access to the West in terms of the news and the media and everything. It wasn't like they were closed off from that. And I think that might be a misconception. Mm -hmm. They could see it, but they couldn't touch it, Mm -hmm. right? So it's almost like, like they're 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 in a cage and they can see what's happening outside, mm-hmm. but they can't they can't touch it. And so we we sat down and we had dinner in this old Russian restaurant, and it was it was like this this scene like you'd see in a movie or something, you know, with the yellow lights and all the pictures on the wall, and we're sitting there intimate like this, having dinner, and she told me about growing up in the East. And as she get, got into the conversation, she reached in her, di- in her bag and pulled out her diary from her childhood. And she's like, let me show you something. And she opened the diary and there was a tag in there, a Wrangler tag. And she said, this was my, from my first pair of jeans. And this tag was beat up and worn in and, and her jeans deteriorated, but she saved that tag and then she flipped the page and in her diary she was she had a little bit her, this woman's name was Anya Anna and and her friend had gone to New York City and she had written you know in, in a girl's diary she wrote, and she has jeans and then she took the pen and she underlined it and then she took a highlighter and she highlighted it and she's like I didn't really understand how important it was to me until you and I started talking because we had talked the day before mm-hmm. and she said the first time in my life I ever feel empowered as an individual was when I got my first pair of jeans when I was 13 and I put them on. The first time. I had only worn dresses, what they gave us to wear. Yeah. And I put those jeans on for the first time and I felt free. And if you want to distill this thing down, why it's so important, look at that. You know what I just realized? So I have a I have a 10-year-old daughter and she's been wearing your daughter might be too old for this trend, but a lot of girls right now that are younger, maybe 6, 7, 8, 9, they wear basically a matching kind of whole polyester um like dry fit type outfit. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole thing, right? And it all matches looks like a weird tie-dye looking thing and you know my daughter must have had like three or four of them and she would just rotate them like that's just 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 what and her and all of her friends they look like somebody spilled crayons everywhere or something and that's what that's what they all that's kind of like and I think from a mom's perspective you know it's real easy you know just here you go you know you just wear this and my other daughters 
my other daughters took her shopping. And when she came home, she says, Dad, I'm going to go put on some of the clothes I got. And she had it. She was she came out and she was wearing a pair of jeans and it was her first pair of jeans, believe it or not. Wow. Because we live in California. There's no we don't wear jeans out there. We wear shorts or if you're a eight year old girl, you wear these outfits, these matching little. What is it? Nylon? Is that what it is? What is it? I don't know. Does P wear those things? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's like a wait. Is that a romper? Yeah, romper. Yeah. Well, it's like it's that, like, but it's all. It's like a. It's just a outfit, and yeah, every little girl super wears. Super simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah super simple. A lot of those. Actually. So my daughter comes out of her room, and you know she's ten. You know, and she's tall for a ten-year-old, but all of a sudden she had jeans on, and I could see now that you're. I, I'm connecting. You know, she looks so proud, hmm. and you know, kind of like she was standing up straight, like she was now in you know in the big leagues, kind of. And she, you, you know, you, you know that time you go through in your life where you're like, I'm a person. Yes. She looked like she had that kind of, I'm a person. I'm an individual. I'm a, I'm a person. I got, I'm, I'm here. Confident. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. I'm not mama's little girl anymore. I'm <laughs> here. I'm here. <laughs> and how much of that comes from my daughters going? You need to get jeans. You know what I mean? You need to get jeans. Yeah. That's in my kids. That's in my kids psyche that you, you know what? You get jeans and that's when you become an individual human ready to take on the world. (laughs) That's so cool. And and it's crazy because it, it really does, you know, it really does like it just, you know, when you wear something, like and that's the that's the important. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, really. You know, to that you can be empowered by something on your body. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then people say, well, that's that's not, it's not important. You know what you wear. Well, it's really not important what you wear, but it is important how you feel about yourself. You know, it, it is important how you project yourself. You know, I mean, if you if you're working for Echelon Front, going somewhere, you know, do you wear a t-shirt? If you're going on Fox News, what do you put on? Yeah, I put on a suit. Why? Because that's what you put on. That's right. Right. I think that's important. I think the next time I might be going on, I might be wearing some orange jeans, <laughs> boy. <laughs> this is what I, this is something else I just realized. Think about this. Okay. Do, do you have a, you get a pair of slacks, right? Get a pair of slacks. What's another word for that? Pants? Sure. Trousers. Trousers or whatever. You get a pair of pants. Those, if you just get a normal pair of pants, whatever, they, they'll change a little bit over time. But basically the change that they go through deteriorates them and they're no longer usable. Mm-hmm. But jeans are different. Mm-hmm. Jeans wear and they become comfortable and they f- come to your body. They like, they like they become wear a part in, of you. Yes. They wear yes, in. they wear in, not out. But they become yours. Like you can't, if, one, if you have a nice pair of jeans that's broken in that you've had for a while and something happens to them, you have to go get another pair. And you have to go through a, a period of time where they're, they're not quite your jeans yet. And you know what's crazy is is Except what, for those thin ones. Yeah, those, those thin ones. <laughs> as soon as you get one really of them on. legit. <laughs> that that woman Anya, I was I was with. She she told me she's like you know they they tried to make jeans because eventually you didn't have to smuggle them in anymore. Eventually, mm-hmm. you if you knew somebody out outside they could ship you the jeans if they could afford them, right? So they became so popular that East Berlin government decided, East Germany government decided, we're gonna make jeans. And they did, they made jeans. 
and I picked up a pair of those jeans. I found someone who had a pair and they weren't jeans. They didn't know how to weave the textile and they couldn't figure it out. So what were they? Were they just like some weird fabric? It looked like a, it was a weird fabric and it, and it wasn't even indigo dyed. So they would never, they wouldn't even fade in. They were just like, they were just a, like a blue material. Blue material. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. So it failed miserably, and she said, "So the the government imported a million pairs of American jeans, and they sold out like the like the day they arrived." That's the kind of thing where you realize that's why communism doesn't work. Yeah, because the state can't figure it out. Yep, but individuals can. So give them some jeans and let them run wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, okay, jeans, we got that. We might have gone a little bit deep. <laughs> I don't know, we a little riff. But, but hey, uh, all, all right. Now, the other thing you said is you put miles on boots. Yeah. Now, this is a little bit of a reversal role where I said to you like, hey, bro, everyone wears jeans. You said to me, hey, man, we need to make boots. And that made me, that made me nervous because I look at boots, I, I said, hey, man, like, these are, everyone's feet are different and it's hard to make and it's, you gotta, the sizes, I mean, you can't ham a pair of boots. Like boots are what size they are. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and people complain about blisters and you know, in a SEAL platoon, everybody wants a different kind of boots. So I was definitely more hesitant on the, on the, just the product itself. And then on the manufacturing, to me, it just seemed like a crazy thing. Right. And you, you were laughing. I don't right. know if you remember this. You were laughing. You were like, you were laughing. You're like, bro, it's so much easier to make boots than it is to make to to weave fabric on a loom. Yeah, and I think some of that laughter was more like, I'm ready for the challenge. You know what I mean? Check. Like this is, and the thing is, is you know, and just in full transparency, you know, you and I had a private conversation at the end of last year, and like, okay, what are we gonna do? You know, what are we going to do to grow? And we wanted to make the investment, you know, of our our profit and put it back into the company. And, and we're, we're identifying where we want to grow, right? And what's going to have the biggest impact on the community, but also what the community can handle, right? And we know they can handle making denim blue jeans. And I knew the community could not only handle, but, but if we could make footwear again, I just need to cl- clarify this. When you're talking about the community, what you're talking about is the actual community within which you live, within yes. which our factory is, yes. within yes. which we have a pool of people. That's yes. the community that actually have this skill set. And yes. that's the part that I didn't appreciate. And uh, as soon as you you were like, hey, because I'm thinking, how, how are we going to make shoes? And you said, we got the people. And then I remember growing up, of course, who was up here? All these massive shoe manufacturers were up here. And... I said, oh, yeah, obviously. Okay, check, run. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, shit. I mean, New Balance is still in Maine doing some stuff. Nike used to be in Maine. You had you had Bass Shoe, mm-hmm. right? You had Dexter Shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Hayden Shoe. Uh, Allen Edmonds. I mean, you had all these brands. And, I, and, and, and one of our employees, Christine, she actually was the one who went to the Dominican when the free trade agreements went into play and trained them on, she was the best little waist stitcher in the country. She trained them how to use that machine. 
So she was part of, let's call it a brain drain, a skills drain, mm -hmm. right? Where the skills needed to go away. Well, what happens when they go away, she's the only one left with those skills, right? And I had identified a few people with those skills in these old shoe dogs. One of them was Bart Hershey, you know, and this old guy, Roland Landry. And shoe dog is the name of that book. Is that a term anyways? Shoe dog? Shoe dogs, yeah. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a book written. Uh, yeah, it's by the guy that made Nike. Exactly. Yeah. Shoe dog. But that's a common term. He didn't coin oh, that no. term. Oh, no. No, that's what these guys are. He was part of that. Got it. All these guys helped him get started. This guy, Roland, is the one that helped Timberland start. He's the one that had the machinery and the knowledge to get Timberland so they could mold a sole onto a leather upper. He, he developed that. And so I had all these old timers who I had just, honestly, I didn't give an opportunity not to, not to meet me. Like I'd, I'd just go to their factory, call them on the phone, you know, show them what we're doing and get in front of them, get in front of them, get in front of them. And then finally we started building relationships. And this, this one guy, Roland, I went over there and, and he had to get rid of some machinery. And we did some kind of negotiating. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you, what do you want? You know, yeah, I gotta figure out what somebody wants. Yeah. You know what we ended up negotiating? He's like, can you do a lobster bake for my staff? And I said, yeah, he goes, take it all. Loaded up a tractor trailer of machinery, a small, it's like mm -hmm. a 20 foot, you know. And a couple of weeks ago, Joe, my father-in-law and I, and a few other guys from the factory went out and cooked his whole staff a lobster bake. <laughs> lobster bake for old shoe machinery. But these shoe dogs, so shoe dog is the term that is just used. It's a general yeah. term yeah. for someone who's been in the industry for a long time. But, you know, as we were talking at the end of the last year, and, you know, I kind of put your, I guess, concerns at ease a little bit. For sure, for you sure. You know, it's like, we can make shoes. Yeah. You know, we don't have to reinvent anything even though we need to build it from scratch. There's a difference there. Yeah. You know, if you if we were going to like try to figure it out and not have the knowledge, that would be one thing. But the knowledge has only been it's only been removed for 20 years. Right? If it had been removed for 50 years, I'm not going to say it's impossible, it but I would have taken a lot larger effort and yes. a lot bigger a lot more costly tuition. Yes, the, the tuition. <laughs> the and, tuition and, would have been high. And the, and the effort right now has been great. And and the and the expense has been great. I mean, we're in month eight, and this week we're finally ready to really launch, like as you saw in the factory mm -hmm. the other day. But you're talking about, okay, Jocko got Jocko's blessing. You know, the team's on board. What are we going to do? I hired one person. <laughs> one person. Henry, and he'd been in the industry for 40 years, and he started January 1st. I gave him a piece of paper with how I wanted the boot to look, and I said, this is what we want to build. Now, just, just so you know, everyone understands, I know you get it, that we're talking about starting something from scratch, all right? We don't have any machinery. We don't have asses in seats, which is my way of saying human resources. Mm -hmm. We don't have the workflow. We don't have the raw materials. We don't have the patterns. We, we have, don't have the we have dyes. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. I gave him a piece of paper with an illustrator drawing and said, this is what we want to make. That's crazy. 
Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really crazy because if you can see when you when you see people work together where each one has a skill set in and and I know this is like on the SEAL teams, like I'm sure when you did operations and everything was just moving, it's like a perfect it's like a Russian ballet, it's like a perfect flow yeah. of organization, right? And I had seen it in the rest of the factory and how we did the rest of the factory. And that's why I knew we could do it. But I, but I also knew that the challenges of building something for a foot, you know, that, that a foot, everyone's feet are different. And mm-hmm. they're, they're odd shaped. They're asymmetrical. You know, it's a strange thing, a foot. I knew we were going to have yeah, challenges. That's right. They're asymmetrical. Yeah, they're not the same. They're not the same. Mm-hmm. I knew we were going to have challenges. And I know I haven't told you about all the t- tuition payments, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about a couple that I may have skipped. <laughs> <laughs> what happened so, to all my money? <laughs> <laughs> so we 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 got into it, and you know, and we we made some boots, you know, to start off. But it was all you know, Henry with an exacto knife, like hand cutting everything, whatever. And we started building the patterns. They weren't perfect. So you got to imagine like eight months, we're now into this thing, eight mm-hmm. months. Once, once we actually got a boot, of course he started with a 14, wrong. <laughs> and that would bite us in the ass six months down the road. That was, that was the tuition payment. I wanted him to start with a 14 because I wanted to wear it first. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that six months down the road, that would be a mistake because you never grade. Grading is how you scale everything. You never grade from your largest size. Uh, you always grade, grade from, from the middle. From the middle, middle size, yeah. So I should have, I should have made your me. size first. <laughs> you should have asked me too because right. if you just asked me that question, I would have said, "Oh yeah," because you probably lose a little bit of, you, you lose a little bit of that shape and the and the the uh, what's the word? The ratio. The ratio. Yeah, yeah, the ratios as That's you go what, up. Exactly. That's what grading is. Yep. So. We needed all those things, patterns to fit the foot, leather. We needed the knowledge, of course, clicker dies to cut the material. But most importantly, we need shoemaking machinery. So, Which these are very specialized machines. Oh, yeah. Incredibly specialized machines. Very specialized. And it wasn't feasible to just buy new stuff. You know, I mean, would it have been smartest to buy all new machinery? Yes. Hmm. Yes, it would have been. Interesting. It would have been smartest if we wanted to take that risk and dump that amount of capital into okay. it. I was going to say, because it doesn't seem like that would be real smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know what I knew? I knew that Henry used to be a millwright and that if we could just get decent machinery, even old machinery that was running, he could keep it running in our little proof of concept called bringing back shoe manufacturing in Franklin County, Maine, if we could prove that concept, it would be only a matter of time to be able to invest in, in that new machinery. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, how much it's going to be, but uh, all right, let, let's do it. So I ended up calling this old timer, Mo. He's the one that found our first loom. So I went back to the source, <laughs> Mo, this is what I want to do. And he's wild, you know, this guy. He, he told me a story. Uh, you, you, you ever heard of uh, Dexter Shoe, of course? Yep. Um, there was a, uh, a man named Harold Alphon. No. Harold Alphon built Dexter Shoe. 
He built it, he was working at another shoe company, he built it by loading up machines that weren't being used like in the in during the nighttime into his station wagon and driving them to a mill in Dexter. He basically took the machines mm. that were like the the abandoned machines from this other factory and he started a factory and he built an empire. All right, Harold Alfond. He got bought out by Berkshire Hathaway. They had a contract that when Harold Alfond died, they could move Dexter Shoe out of Maine. Harold Alphon died a few years back. They shut the factory down and moved it out of Maine. This shit just, it, man, it gets to me. It gets to me. Mo told me a story about, about Harold Alphon. Because Mo's dad was an old shoe dog and he made the parts for the machine. And he said, Pete, let me tell you something. You're going to need my help doing this. This is what I do. This guy, Harold Alfond, he started this factory and he couldn't, he could, he wasn't getting it. He wasn't making any money. And he called my dad and he said, can you come up to the factory? And this is back when it doesn't matter if this small timer trying to build this, this shoe company hasn't even started selling product yet. It's in the hole, maybe has a handful of employees. This guy's Moe's dad drives up to Dexter two hours, sits in front of Harold Alfond, and Harold Alfond says, can you buy these box of parts back from me? I'll buy them back from you in three months. And his dad said, yeah, I'll take them back. Took the parts back, gave him the money. Three months later, Harold Alfond bought them back. This guy's worth, I don't know, a billion dollars now. But this, this thing of sitting in front of somebody and having a conversation and building relationships, what I found in this shoemaking thing is the most important thing because these are still the guys running it. The same guys running it. And the, and the, and the dudes, these shoe dogs that have been in the factory helping us, combined age, 88, 90, and we've probably had a dozen in there. And you should see their freaking eyeballs when they walk in. They don't want to leave. Honestly, on occasion, bringing tears to their eyes that, that this is what we're doing. Because they saw it. They were part of it. And they saw it leave. And just that spark, man, like, you know, honestly, it just hit me, hits me right in the feels, man. That spark they see. It's motivation. And I absolutely knew that with their support, it was going to be possible. And so we've been grinding. This the, the first pair of boots that that I got that you sent me. The first pair of the boots that you sent me was better than the first pair of jeans you sent me. That that was a shocker to me. Like it was like take them out of the box. I was like, no way. This is ridiculous. And and you know. You're like, hey, there's, there, these aren't perfect, but I'm sending them just so you can look at them. And I was like, no, I'm wearing them. I mean, I was wearing them. Out of the box, comfortable, crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. I was like, bro, what's wrong with your jeans, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got like, we had to figure out how to make jeans, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas we had the knowledge base to make the footwear. Yeah. Like, it was still here, you know? And man, I mean, these guys came in and they just like dumped their knowledge on. But Henry, Henry being the key and this guy, Mo. And so 
I'm like, I need machinery. So he found all the old machinery overseas. He brought it back over on Literally a ship. Literally bringing machinery that's been shipped overseas yep. along with the jobs. Literally, we're bringing it back to America. Yep. Actually happening. Actually happening. Machines designed in New Hampshire, machines designed in Massachusetts, manufactured right there, bringing them back, these old machines. And Mo refurbished them. And now they're in the factory, and it's badass. So, what's the where are we at right now? I know we have the the leather for four hundred, five hundred pairs. Yeah, you know we we connected with the tannery. Uh, that's forty five minutes away. That's another thing about supply chain, right? There's one tannery left in Maine, and they just happen to manufacture all the leather for the military boots. So we went up to them and they're like, we'll, we'll help you guys however we can. So they're tanning leather for us. They're tanning seven styles of leather. And it took a while to get it right. I mean, it's, you got to remember like leather, like textiles, depending on how it's tanned, it can be, you know, it can stretch more, be more rigid and not form right. It can wrinkle, you know, there's, there's all sorts of shit that can happen that that's really bad. So anyways, we had to get through all of that and we had to get through that and make sure the patterns were right. And then we ordered the dyes and we started cutting and it was wrong because we had graded them from Mm -hmm. the 14s. (laughs) So we may have lost 10 or 15 grand on dyes. (laughs) I know, but, uh, but we, we reordered the dyes and now we've got them working. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so we have probably 500 pairs cut, ready, ready to go. And we lean manufactured out the line and we're in the process of training the young folks now. We have a young girl, Nikki, she's 19, another guy uh, who's in there, Christine and Henry, those two with combined experience, like 80 years, you know, the little waist that I was telling you about and Henry. And we're like, we're literally, once you and I have a conversation like, hey, should we turn it on? We'll just turn it on. Mm-hmm. We'll turn it on. And uh, we need to turn it on in the factory right now yep. before we move it you know, to the new plant. Because it's got, it's got to work there first. We've got to have the proof of concept worked out. But, man, I put, I put a ton of miles on those boots. And, man, they're wearing in nicely. Yeah. Nicely. So. No, it's, it's a classic. So what boots... It's like boots. That's what they are. They're boots. They're boots, man. Boots. And you know what they go well with? Jeans. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that we like, we, we, we're calling the jeans legit fit. <laughs> <laughs> now, while we're doing all this, meanwhile, I'm out starting Jocko Publishing. You know, I have a, I'm like, hey, man, by the way, I've got, you know, whatever. I'm going to be, I got 100,000 books that, you know, I'm going to need to get moved from place to place. We have a fulfillment center, and like you're like, yes, we do, and boom! All of a sudden, next thing you know, we got a fulfillment center. We got uh, the Warrior Kid Three. We got Mikey and the Dragons there. You're, we just absorb that. It was like it was one of those things that gave me the freedom to tell my publisher, "Watch this! I'm publishing. You know, I got a publishing company now. Watch this!" And to have the freedom to be able to do that was phenomenal. Because I knew, I was like, okay, well, we, I, I can make this happen because yeah. they're looking at it going, how the hell, where, where are you going to store 100,000 books? How are you going to 
palletize books. Who's going to you, Jock? Are you going to be in a warehouse somewhere palletizing books? You know, while you're trying to write another book and do all the other stuff that you're doing, that's not going to work. So they're in the back of their mind, they're thinking, "I'm an idiot." Yeah, they're thinking it's impossible, which is which is a common theme around here. People think things are impossible, and you know, we, I, there's another thing I was saying the other day, and you were the, you kind of reminded me of this, of when you started down the path of, "Hey, I'm going to make geese here." And all of a sudden, they're telling you, people were telling you, it's impossible to do this. It's impossible. It's impossible to do this. And the reason that that, 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 that that propaganda is out there is because the big corporations, the best answer that they can give to the American people, and they say, hey, why are you shutting down this factory? The best answer that they can give is, oh, it's impossible to manufacture here. That's what it is. It's impossible to manufacture here. That's their answer. That way, they can save an extra 32 cents per item yep. by having it manufactured in China where, they, where they, they still have to pay shipping. They still have to pay customs. They have to pay to get it over. There's all kinds of, but it, so it's not like they're saying, it's not like, oh, those laborers only get a dollar a day, so therefore we're saving 80 or whatever, $12 uh, an item. No. They're actually, with all the other costs, they're saving 32 cents an item by paying somebody over there a dollar a day and by taking a job from an American and sending it overseas. So the best answer that they can give, can give isn't, well, we want to make an extra 32 cents an item. The best answer that they can give is, this is impossible to do here. Can't manufacture in America anymore. Can't manufacture anymore. in America anymore. That's what, that's what we are being told. We're being lied to. America is being lied to. And I, and I honestly feel because of the podcast, I feel like you've made what we're doing in Maine the tip of the spear. I mean, in Maine is shaped like the tip of a spear, <laughs> which is even more badass. And it is old school New England. It is old Which school is even England more badass. But it's not impossible. And like, if you look at, like we're here at the immersion camp. I was sitting down with a woman. She's in California. We're sitting on the side of the uh, mat. She's from California, and she's she's a cop, and she's just talking to me about her struggles, about media, and how they're making her out to be, and her, you know, and, and folks in law enforcement and everything. And and she said, you know, she's like, "What happened?" And I said, and it just clicked. I'm sitting here looking at this mat full of a hundred, two hundred people from all different creeds, skin colors backgrounds, jobs from farmers to huge businessmen, mm -hmm. scientists to surgeons, all on the mats for a common goal, to train and learn jujitsu. Isn't that what America is? S together for a common goal? Isn't that how this country was built? Isn't that how New England was established? when the immigrants came in together for a common goal and it's literally happening right in front of me and i just i just connected into it and i was just like what what's missing well i can see here that this is all about minds and hands right jujitsu you know learning jujitsu it's not hard it's hard on your mind it's hard on your body it's hard on your hands you know in in Manufacturing is is the same thing. It's 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 the same thing, and and just understanding like, and I know you, you know you're from Maine and Connecticut and New England, and we both are, and understanding where we came from and what was sacrificed 
so that we could get here. I feel like we've abandoned that. You know, and I feel like jujitsu is like a, this spark. You know, looking at those matches, just like this spark, like, whoa, wait a second. I bet there's every type of political affiliation on the mats right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've talked every to time. all of them. Unbelievable that these people are here smiling and just in just sheer enjoyment. Maybe jujitsu can solve the world's problems. <laughs> I, I don't know. But but I do feel like we've abandoned so much. Well, also, when you take a kid and your kid says, hey, I want to do this, and you tell him you can't do that. What does that do to the kid? What does that do to the kid's kids? Well, that's where we're at right now. You can't do this. You can't do this in America. And another thing is, when it's like, I want to build something, you can't do it. Think about that. Yeah. You can't do it. And that is an attitude that used to not even remotely exist in America. We were busy putting men on the moon and building the best cars and the best ships and the best planes in the world and winning wars and getting after it. And now all of a sudden we're looking around going, oh, you can't, you can't the, the, what's the fundamental for all that stuff? Build, build, build something. And all of a sudden you're being told you can't build something. The, oh, you have to manufacture overseas. They manufacture better. No, no. This is our blood. We build things. And when you take that away from someone, what do they got? It's wrong. It's just wrong. So I actually, I actually like a little bit of the propaganda. It just helps what we're doing. <laughs> we can just sneak up behind these folks and choke them out. Yeah. The, and it doesn't stop there. We're, go, we're, we're in a war on all fronts. You know, we got on top of all this, we got Origin Labs. Yeah. And we've put out tons of, of new product at Origin Labs from, but you know, whatever. Me and Echo talk about that all the time. The new products. The new products. But from a business perspective, I, I think um, one of the biggest challenges has been the go ready to drink in a can. Yeah. Again, it was one of these things where, hey, we want to make a drink that gives you energy but is not freaking horrible for you. Yeah. Which, which, which may seem like oh, that's impossible. That's impossible because you need it to taste good so it's got to have sugar. You got to have it not be refrigerated so it's got to have a bunch of chemicals in it to keep it from going spoiled. And then you got to put eight billion grams of, of caffeine in it so it at least convinces a person that's drinking 10 billion grams of caffeine a day that this is actually hitting them. So it's all these, hey, that won't work. No, no, no. That was the first thing. How do we actually make something that I could look at a person and be like, you should drink this. It is good for you to drink this. It will help you in your life, in your brain, in your athletic pursuits right now. That's a big step. It is. You know, and what's funny is like, I remember the last conversation before we actually pulled the trigger on making a decision and you were like, I'm not compromising. We're changing the category. Like this is poison. You know, the, this category, the energy drink yeah, category. The energy drink category. You know, it's just straight poison and we're not conforming to the standard. 
and you you made like it, it's gonna be as far as the caffeine thing when you kind of set that bar like i was i was on board you know and and i i you know the thing is is like i'm not a big caffeine drinker but and, and i know you're not a, a big caffeine drinker but literally like i would never ever allow my kids to get an energy drink are you kidding me yeah Ever, I think if I gave my kid an energy drink, <laughs> there would be mayhem in the world. Oh, mayhem! Yeah. So you know, I mean, just just being able to make that decision, we're not going to conform and we're not going to compromise. You know, I mean that that started the challenge. Yep. You know, but and the other big one was was how do we make these things stay fresh right. without the normal chemicals that they add to all these drinks? That keep them from to keep them from being spoiled. And we're just like, well, let's do what they do with with milk, pasteurize it, pasteurization. And so, how many other drinks are there that you go into a store or you order or you pop open a can, and it's pasteurized? What's the number of drinks like that? I think the none. number is zero. Yeah, yeah, none. the number is zero. Again, what's the what's the business decision? The business decision. Well, it's going to cost a lot more. Yeah, it's going to cost a lot more to pasteurize these things. It's going to cost a lot more to use monk fruit instead of whatever the freaking cancer carcinogens that they just pump into those things. No, we're going to use the best ingredients. So all those little decisions along the way, hey, we could be wrong. Actually, we could be wrong. Um, it's worth, it's worth me, the tuition payment. I was going to say, if we're wrong, at least I'll be able to sleep at exactly. night. Exactly. And I think that's what, when you distill it down, that's what it, that's what you get, right, is... Hey, you know, you can cut corners in the way you started this. You can cut corners here, there, the other place. But what is the right thing to do? You know, like with the jeans, what's the right thing to do? Well, build a product that's going to last a lifetime. That's actually the right thing to do. That'll never fall apart, right? And it's the same thing with, with all the nutritional stuff because there's so much junk. And, you know, my son's 16. I will only let him take molt for protein or, or warrior kid, either one of those. I'll mm-hmm. let him take. I won't let him touch any of that other shit. He's going to be 17. My daughter's turning 14. You know, it's like there's things they're exposed to and there's propaganda in this industry pushing this poison at kids. And honestly, like they're at the point where they're mobile, you know, Mm -hmm. I know your son's mobile too, Mm -hmm. where they're making decisions, stopping at the store, grabbing things to drink, grabbing snacks and I, I actually, I'm on them all the time. What'd you eat today? What'd you pick up at the store? What'd you drink today? You know, I'm, I'm on them about it because they know how important it is to me that they make good choices with the occasional, you know, double cheeseburger at McDonald's, <laughs> <laughs> which I may partake in once in a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there is a, the, you don't usually find that in, in, the categories and, and in this industry, in the nutritional industry, you don't usually find people looking at those things. And I think that ultimately, ultimately, honestly, without your podcast, I think it would be almost impossible. I think it would be almost impossible without, without you explaining to people what's going on here. Well, then you might as well just say it's, it's not really the podcast. It's the people that are listening to the podcast. Sure. It's not me. It's the people that are listening to the podcast that go, okay, yep, we're, we're on board. That's what it is. Yeah. And so thanks to everyone that listens to this podcast because 
Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing much of what we're doing right now. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but you've got all these, like, you know, these uh, Netflix specials and stuff, you know, on, like, what makes you fat or, like, the truth about sugar, you know, or you know, all, all these things. There's all these news. So there's, there is kind of a... Uh, awakening mm-hmm. I guess I would call it an yeah. awakening about what you're putting in your body it's happening it's happening and I think you're a part of that awakening I think you're a big part of that awakening letting people know hey you got to watch what you're putting in your body but I'm gonna make something that I want to put in my body you know and I think that's a you know that value proposition it's undeniable you know, it's undeniable, and we're not going to compromise on that. That's undeniable. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, at least we did the right thing. That's undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like chasing the truck back to the cotton field. That's where you're going to end up. So you can't argue with it. Yeah. And my, I, think it's, I think it's the right decision. My wife, the other day, I came home, and she says, do you have a Vitamix blender? Or like a high-speed blender? Do you we have, have one of those? have um, Blendtec. Is it Blendtec? Okay. One yeah. of those like big high-speed blenders. Oh, like the Ninja. I don't know, but it's a big, like, it's almost like an industrial blender. So so I have one of those. And the other day, but I normally don't use it because I just use a shaker cup, right, when I'm making some milk of whatever flavor. So, and everyone in my family just uses a shaker cup. Occasionally, someone decides to kick in the, the, the Vitamix. So I come home the other day, and my wife goes, you know, she's like, oh, hi, hi. And then she says, I had strawberry milk in the Vitamix. And I said, and? And she said, she said this, it's the best thing I've ever tasted in my life. That's what my wife said. <laughs> Seriously. And, you know, she just, she said it was so frothy. It was so <laughs> frothy. frothy. It was so, <laughs> so frothy. And I, I said, what did you have in it? She goes, just milk and milk, strawberry milk. And when I saw it, because my wife, you know, she's a, uh, She's a world, a worldly person, I guess. You know, she she likes she got a fine palate, and she likes diff, all different kinds of foods. Like I'm not that right. Mm-mm. For me to be like this tastes good, that has limited merit. Right? Bro, can I can I share can I share the wooden sword <laughs> thing? The wooden sword. Yeah. What, what wooden sword thing? To, so I can I can help assist painting the picture of Helen. Uh, go ahead. When you're like, hey, we need to build a wooden sword. We were on the phone the other day. Oh, we yeah, need yeah. to build a. You're like, we need to build a wooden sword. Do like a, a special for for, for Mikey, Mikey and the, the dragons. dragons. Little wooden sword. And I and I heard wooden her sword in and the, wooden shield in the back and her accent. Jocko, that's barbaric. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I died laughing. Yeah. <laughs> she said I was barbaric because <laughs> I wanted little kids to have yeah. shields and swords. Yeah. Little wooden, which is an awesome idea. Which is like the only thing I played with until I figured out that there was a machine gun. Then I had a machine exactly. gun. <laughs> <wooden machine guy>. <laughs> right, <laughs> which I think is a great idea for we should do that for like this Christmas or something like build wooden swords or with the Mikey and the Dragon shield, yeah, that with would a little be cool. dragon on it, yeah, it'd be badass, dude. If I was a kid and I got that, yes, I'd be chopping at everything, <laughs> yes. I don't know the because I mean, we had wooden swords as kids, yeah. But, yeah. And then they turned them into foam. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the thing is now they make them foam. Yeah, because then you can't hurt anybody, which I get. But I mean, maybe you ma- need to maybe you need to parent your kids and say, "Hey, Billy, don't hit Jennifer in the head with the wooden sword. <laughs> like, don't do that. It's called parenting. Let's right. try it. Or you just put a helmet on them and put foam everything and put them in a padded room, and now we don't have to worry about good, good little savages anymore. Oh man. So Shit. all that stuff together. I mean, it's it's growth 
right now, when you look at the growth right now, I mean, do you see any hesitation in the growth? Zero. <laughs> do you see acceleration in the growth? Yes. Do, are yes. you are you nervous? I think I, I I don't know if nervous is the right word. You know, I mean, number one, I love the process, mm-hmm. and I hope the process never stops. I don't. I, I mean, to think of something ending like what we're doing, I just, I, you know, I say, well, you re, you really have four decades of opportunity, and I've I've told you this before. You know, one of my advisors, John, who I have to introduce you to uh, next time we're Farmington, said, hey, hey, you've got four decades of opportunity. You know, your first twenty years you're learning. You, you've got forty years to do, and then hopefully you enjoy the fruits of your labor. You know, and and I'm in, I'm in the second decade, mm-hmm. right? 20 to 30, 30 to 40, turn 40 in February, second decade, like the process, man. The process is what gets me excited. Being in the game, you know, not standing on the sidelines, not being a former player watching, you know, the new blood play. You know, I love being in the game, you know, and and I think that to be in the game, you're gonna be a little bit nervous. You're gonna have butterflies because that's what being part of the team is. That's what being in the game means. And if you and if you don't have that, then you've, you're arrogant and or maybe you're complacent, mm-hmm. right? But if you're in the game, you've got to feel that thing that's driving you to get up every morning, you know. And and I love it. I love it. You know that's. Truly, my passion is being in the game. Not what the not not winning the game, not winning the championship, not looking to to an end goal. Like if we achieve this, we've won. You know, it's it's just it's just if we achieve this, what can we do next? Exactly. Where can we go from there? Exactly. I, I look at one thing that I like doing, and I like being a part of. And one thing that I like about working with you is it doesn't seem like I can say, hey, I think we need to do this. And I know that it, it's going to be really, really hard, but we can do it. And you're like, oh, yes, we can. You know, as opposed to the nine reasons or the 12 reasons or the 47 reasons why, well, you know, there's this problem and there's that problem and there's this problem and there's that problem. It, I never, I never hear that from you. I know you don't hear it from me. No, it's, hell no. it's, hey, this is where we're at. This seems like it would be crazy to do. Let's do it. Yes, here's how we can make it happen. Yeah, and and to touch on that and the fact that there has been this propaganda delivered to our minds over the past 20, 30 years, whatever it's been. I was talking to a, a woman recently and she's the one that saved that first loom when when the Chinese came in and they purchased up this mill in Lewiston, mm-hmm. Maine, they pulled everything out. She saved this loom. I had her on my podcast actually. Her name's Rachel. And the biggest thing that that built the infrastructure for the New England mills were the canal systems. And if you pulled the stones out of like the canal system in Lewiston, you could build another great pyramid. If you pulled the granite out of these canal systems, you could build another great pyramid. 
Think about what they did 100 years ago in Lewiston, Maine. They built a great pyramid in the form of a canal system. And they did it without technology. Mm-hmm. They couldn't look up leg twist in jeans and solve the problem. Right. We can. So to say it can't be done, I'd never say that. We've got technology. We've still got people that know. We've got jets that can get us, you know, you can jump in on a jet blue flight and get to Europe in eight hours or 12 hours. If you need to go see how something works, or if I need to go to California, if I need to just drive to Lowell, Massachusetts, I mean, you, you have the op- opportunity to travel quickly. You're not getting on a, on a boat on the ocean. And that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were transporting this stuff with horse and buggy on rails across the ocean. And you're telling me it's impossible. Are you freaking kidding me? This is the easiest time we've ever had to do this. And that's why it's not crazy. Because of what we do have, we're fortunate to be in a day and age where we can get information like that. You know, it's just a matter of putting hands in dirt. That's what people are scared of. You know, they don't know how good calluses feel. If they did, Man, it'd be a different it'd be a different world right now. So, again, fortunate and in being in New England, being in this part of of Maine, knowing that that feeling may have been abandoned or the people may have been abandoned and showing him no, you haven't been abandoned. Actually, this is cyclical and and we know that we're still the best at this. Let's just make it happen again. Let's get back in the game. Let's get back on the field. Let's make it happen again. Just being part of that. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. (laughs) Awesome. Seems like a good place to wrap it up. Echo Charles. Yes. How's it going over there? Pretty cool. Speaking of getting to work. Yeah. We like to work in various various modalities. Yeah. I've never heard that word. Really? Modality, modalities, yeah, and I love expanding vocabulary. Explain yeah. it to me. Different like modes, modes. Yeah. different modes. modes, yeah, modality, different modalities. Nice. One modality might be we want to get smarter, hmm. right? We want to train our brain, right? We want to train our our aerobic capacity. Sure, we want to train our defensive capabilities. Yes, we want to train our strength. Mm-hmm. We want to train our reflexes. I mean, we're just want to train in a bunch of different modalities. Hmm. Do you know anything that really helps across a broad spectrum of modalities like that? Echo Charles. Yes. And what would that be? Well, one is jujitsu. We're <laughs> out there in the immersion camp. Immersing, immersing ourselves, right? That's the word, right? Immersing. Yes, yeah, we are yeah. immersing ourselves. Immersing. You know, everybody's ripped off immersion camp now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All the, the who's who of jujitsu are doing immersion camps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good. Flattering. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Hopefully more people are training. Yeah. yeah immersing themselves in jujitsu because, yes, yeah, very useful as a modality of improvement for sure. Mental, physical. Anyway, we're here. Vocabulary. Vocabulary mo- modality. Is vocabulary modality? Well, I'm just saying we are. Apparently, we're improving our vocabulary tonight across the board. Yes. Yeah, we're using immersive modality. Dig it. Immersive right. modality. Dig it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. You know, you talk about the new Rift Gi. I agree 100%. Every element that you brought up, 100%. So, Echo, I'm going to interrupt you, even though this is your time. No, no, no. It's our, t- our time. Did you know what we did for you the okay. last four days? Uh, did uh-uh. you connect the dots? Uh-uh. Wait. 
No. If I no. You know you got a gi when you got here. Yes. You know who else got those gis? Yeah, Jocko. What do you mean? <laughs> what color was it? Black. Did you see anybody else get a black gi? Jocko. Got a black who else? Uh, I don't know. All the other instructor, all the other black belts. Oh. If you had, <laughs> if you had peripheral vision, <laughs> which I don't, would, by the way, you would have known was <clears throat> what was about to happen. Yeah. Jocko, not, yeah. All right, okay, yeah, all right. That cool, so that's layers right there. Big yeah, time. yeah, In the yeah. industry, we call that those. Was, he was con- Pete was concerned. Yeah, he goes. If I give Echo this, do you think he's gonna know? And I was like, No, he'll just think that it's the camp gi or something. Yeah, only Echo got his black belt. By the way, for anyone that's listening that didn't hear this yet, we'll do a whole podcast about that. We we made fifteen black gis for the expert, the black belt experts. You being one of them. Dang, thanks, Pete. (laughs) Holy cow! Thanks. Come on now, don't leave me hanging. So cool, so cool, man. And it's funny because it's like you told, and you know, Jocko told me a few other things and other stuff. And it's like you know, like when you watch Fight Club. You know, here watch that movie. What do you mean? Oh, I I've told you other Fight things. Club. You know, like you're like, oh, I didn't want to look at you. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, all yeah, these yeah. little oh, things. Yeah, yeah. And you know, at the end of Fight Club, this is big, like you know, what do you call it? Oh, the yeah. twist. Yeah, yeah Right. Yeah, yeah. Then you watch it again. You're like, oh, I see all yeah. the little details. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You start connecting. That's stuff. That's what I'm experiencing right now with you guys. Nonetheless, you talk about the riff gi, black or otherwise. That is a reinvented scenario right there. Yeah. Really good. And the thing is, I, I do prefer no gi over mm, gi. Sure. But then after, even that other one, the other, the one that I got, because I got a rift and another one that looks, di- it looks different. Probably it's a comp, different cut, but it's also, it's the same material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. that was special. We, yeah, yeah. It's a special thing. The different, yeah. same material. The yeah, but it's the same, it's the material. Yeah. It's a Jag- yeah. Dragon Weave Gen, Gen, Gen 3, which is, yeah. the, I think that's the primary mover in that gi feeling so good. Yes, I get is. that the cut is also a factor. Yeah, but the bigger factor the is that textile. material. The textile is ridiculous. Well, because it, it like I, I'd say it like dries as you sweat. Yeah, that's you know the crazy I mean? thing. It's a weird. You can it's put a, a key in the in the. You can. It's dry. It's basically dry when you get done with the spin cycle. Yeah. Final spin. Yeah, yeah. Final <laughs> spin. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> when, when you get done with that, then it's almost dry right yeah. then. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you could put it on the mat. So that's yeah. for anyone that had a ghee before. Like in f- five years, people will be like, "Oh yeah, it used to suck. You used to have to like dry these things for eighty minutes oh, to yeah. get them dry." Now everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, that must have been horrible." <laughs> you know, it was kind of like those yeah, It was like, "Oh, when I was a kid, I used to have the the phones were attached to the wall." Oh, and people are like, "Oh, that's really horrible." You know, it was like, "Oh, I used to get my ghee in the dryer for yeah. an hour and a half to get it to dry." Oh, that must have been horrible. Mm. Are we contributing to the softening of society by making no? It because so we can nice. train more now. Efficiency. That's true. Efficiency. Yeah, there we go. More training. Yes. You oh, got yeah. it. Saving power. It's it's green, right? It's that's green. True. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To get a rift ghee. Yeah, it's in there. So the yeah, green jiu-jitsu. Unless it makes me wa- want to do more gi. Just that little push. And I think that's something. Jeez, this is what, this is what happens. Nothing. When you have someone that is very focused on comfort, a little extra comfort goes a long way. Yes, sir, yes, sir, it does. <laughs> yes sir, it does. So if anyone's wondering, which they aren't, I would assume they are not wondering what gi you get. You get an origin gi. Because it's not just the rift. It's a whole spectrum. Yeah, while you're here. Geese. Okay, yeah. I'm going to give you some scenarios. I just started jujitsu. I'm not looking to compete. I'm going to train three times a week. My budget is tight. What gi should I get? I would go with a comp athleta. Okay. Which is still going to give you the performance. Or we have that warrior line, which is a lightweight gi, but it's, it's more built for warmer environments. You know, the comp athleta really is the right gi 
to go. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm training six times a week. I'm gonna compete. I have a tight budget. Six times a week, you're gonna compete, tight budget. I'd still go with a comp atleta. Okay. At what point do I step up and get a rift? (sighs) (laughs) At what point do you wanna improve? (laughs) No, No, I'm gonna tell you, honestly, right now, if my budget was tight, I would wait an extra two months and get a rift. Yeah. That's what I would do. Well, it's it's a game changer product. You know, it's not, it's hard to explain, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like when you're underneath somebody, you know, it, like wearing an old gi, let's say, you're underneath somebody in side control, you've been sweating the whole match, you're 10 minutes in, and you need to like elbow escape or hip out, and your arm's stuck inside the sleeve because of the abrasion of yeah. the, the textile. What you're gonna feel is free. You know, so it gives you an advantage in that regard. If you want to feel free on the mats, even when you're getting crushed and smothered, get a rift. Mm -hmm. All right. It's an advantage. It's, it's, it's a way to cheat the system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole comprehensive experience. Yeah, exactly. Like the reason you like Nogi so much is you like the, right, the freedom of movement and everything. And and the the rift almost provides that for you. You know, when you get a major version of covering up his arms as well. Well, because they're so massive. <laughs> Check. Yeah. All right. Also, we got, well, we just talked about jeans, origin jeans. Order those up. We got t-shirts. We got uh, other clothes and we got supplements. Dig it. Yeah. All, all the different supplements. Yeah. So I had, I got the new, which we haven't talked about yet, Cold War. We haven't oh, talked yeah, about that. Yeah. We haven't talked about Cold War. A, oh, is that for a reason, or we just now we're talking about it now? Talk about it. Okay. Boom. So I got some of that Cold Cold War Krill Oil Joint Warfare. Good stack. Right? These are like the 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 prerequisite supplements. This is like to keep you in the game. Like it doesn't matter. You can have you can have huge strength, all this stuff. But you, if you can't keep yourself in the game, like if you're on the sideline because injuries, whatever, you're you're not Sickness. moving correctly. You're sick. All this stuff, bro, it doesn't even matter. So anyway, I had that line. I, it dawned on me how these are the most important supplements that there are, in my opinion. Yeah, because without them, you could possibly not be in the game. Yeah, you can be the strongest guy, but you're not even in the game. Yeah. You know, you can't roll. Yeah, because whatever your neck is sore. It's or whatever. Or but elbow. I've been pounding the joint warfare, and I'm almost ready to go. There you go. Well, yeah. so, you know, you did, did Jocko ever tell you how the cold the, the cold war came to be? Because he was getting what, off the airplane or something, or you were traveling a lot. Yeah, just and when I travel, like, and I'm like, guys, you, there was you almost a, got sick. I need like a hyper boost of, you know, the, all the stuff that prevents you from getting sick. Yeah. And Brian's like, cool. Let me let me figure it out. Yeah. We ran it, and then I tested it, and I'm like, okay, I've been traveling, whatever it was, six weeks, no sickness. That's that's like, and when I say sick. You know you you know when you travel and it's just like your nose yeah, like yeah. you just you just like wake up your mouth tastes like crap yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you feel like you're about to get <laughs> yeah. sick yeah that oh, yeah. like I don't like that yeah I don't like that it's, either it's pulling you maybe not out of the game but it's it's infringing on the game it's kind of jamming you up yeah for sure Infri- infringement oh yeah uh, so there's all that stuff also what milk milk Look, to say you don't need milk, mm, okay, maybe, maybe not, but you kind of need milk. <laughs> so that, you is, what I'm saying? that is the greatest name ever. 
Mulk. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's borderline, you know, like just, you know, we were talking the other day about this borderline genius or oh, like yeah, yeah. just the worst idea on the planet. Yeah. Mulk is in the genius category. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, do know it's, what you mean. It's, it's genius. Mulk. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's fitting and it, it is inspired by Mulk itself. Yeah. Mulk came first. And then Mulk came. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the, the drink came. Yeah. And it was so good. I remember telling you guys, this is not a, pro, this is yeah. not a protein shake. You can't just shake. call it like a protein. Yeah. This isn't a, a meal replacement. Right. This is its own thing. And, and it tastes to me like Mulk. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the influences in there oh. for me were the monk fruit. Yeah. Right? Monk, 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 right? right and monk. then kind of like Hulk, mm -hmm. right? Because I knew we were going mint, green. Sure. And yeah. then, of course, Motorhead. Right. Umla. Right. Over the, the O, because that's just legit. Yeah. Yeah. And they asked Lemmy why he put the Umla over O in Motorhead. And he's like, because it looked cool. Like, that was his answer. And and I was like, that's, that's good enough for me. Because it looked cool. There's the full story on it. <laughs> that's the full story. Umlaut? Umlaut. I thought, so it's not an amulet. Is that a different? Amulet? It's an umlaut. Umlaut. An amulet. Isn't that like something you wear around your neck? Yeah, like a little thing. I thought, I thought that those crystals things were called in it or I thought they were called amulets. Maybe not. Yeah. No, uh, it's an umlaut. 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 Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Like, you're like, and when you do it, Put the, put the umlaut above it. Put the two dots. I was like, well, I don't know how to I don't know how to do that on the computer. And you're like, hold down this key and press this. And it's like, boom. And Mulk was born. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know, umlauts can be a pretty important part of my texting sometimes. Yeah. You know, I'll be texting someone. I like my my uh, phone autocorrects like M O L K to M O umlaut L K all caps. That's what it autocorrects it, you it whenever does. I wrote right Mulk. So that's that, awesome. That extra mine doesn't do that yet. You can change it. And mine uh, also, the other thing I have when I write JJ, it turns into jujitsu. Ah. Uh, so that way I don't have to I, type out jujitsu with a hyphen in there every time. You know, you got to change the keyboard. No, I just write JJ and it says jujitsu. I got to be honest, I didn't even know you could do that. Yes, you can. So there's probably the two that. You actually need just mulk and jujitsu because you, you type mulk type. so often. I type mulk so often and I type jujitsu so often because even like responding on Twitter, it works. Right. So I just hit JJ and it says jujitsu. So you I, must get a lot of questions like, "What do you need to be successful in life?" And yeah, you're like mulk and jujitsu, mulk and jujitsu, mulk and jujitsu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Super easy. Yeah, kind <laughs> of, kind of cool. Also yeah. disciplined, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Cannot say discipline. And I will say that is it cheating that today I'm going on how many hours of sleep? Mm, none. Yeah, not a lot. <laughs> and 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 I was tired coming. When you when I said today, I was all planning. I was like, okay, tonight I'm gonna go to bed early. Oh. And I'm gonna go to sleep and I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna feel great. And I said, so you want to record tomorrow? And you're like, what about tonight? And I was, <laughs> in my in my mind, I said to myself, damn. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then, but I wouldn't ever like reveal that. Okay. Yeah. What am I going to say? No, well, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Right. No, I'm too tired to record a podcast. No, not yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, in case you couldn't tell, I was in here. I was kind of tired coming in, and then I drank some of the D. Well, yeah. as, yeah. as Echo Charles yeah. says it. Yeah. Well, that yeah, the, the discipline's D. coming a long way. You know, yeah. we have the powder, of course. Yeah. Right. D and then what? Pills. Yes. Or powder. Pills. Yeah. Drink. Yes, yeah, drink. the discipline go. And I, I wasn't going to have a, a go tonight. Yeah. 
And then I was like, I'm going on Jocko podcast. Yeah. I need a little extra. A-game. Go. You need your A game. Yeah, A yeah. game. A game. Boom. Dave Burke. Dave Burke. Good deal, Dave. We recorded. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Just we recorded sure. the two podcasts back to back and then took a couple days off and then recorded another two back to back. And before each podcast, he was taking two discipline go. And he's just like, yeah, 100%. He's like, I'm bringing my A game. Watch this. Did you want to know something that like feels real good? My son came in and he was meeting with your with Dr. Luke. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to learn a little bit about you know medicine because he's yep. interested in medicine. And he he stayed for lunch uh, at the immersion camp here, and he went up and he saw the the go cans all out in the ice or whatever. And he's like, "Dad, can I have one of those?" And I said, "For sure, have it." Yep. That's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, because he's asked me in the past. He's I, he's come up to the counter with like a Red Bull yeah, no. or like mm-hmm. a monster or something. Yeah, no. I'm like, put that shit back. <laughs> yep. No, you know. And I was like, for sure, man, ha- grab one. You know, yeah. it, was, it was good. It felt good to be able to do that yeah. and feel yeah, confident about it. How do you like it? Yeah, he liked it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's absolutely. got energy, anyways. Because yeah. he's what? How old is he? Sixteen. Oh yeah, he's on Dude, fire. You know, he was he he him and his friend were like. Because they had hands off uh, two weeks ago mm-hmm. before double sessions for football. Mm-hmm. They wanted to come out surfing so bad. And I almost called you. Yeah, I just didn't know how crazy it was. It was just like I would have literally called you and be like, hey, I'm sending the kids out to California to go surfing. Awesome. I, I should have. My son would just take them. Yeah. They, he would not be responsible for their safety because, you know, he's another 16-year-old. <laughs> of course. He probably would have been jumping off a cliff and doing whatever They else. would have done it. Yeah. yeah. Check. So. Anything else? Know. Oh, white tea. Jocko white tea. Don't forget yeah. about that. Jocko white tea. Always. Yes. Very good. Certified organic, by the way. Yep. And you can lift 8,000 pounds. Which Proven. is a positive thing. Yeah. Oh, Proven. by the way, double blind. we ran double out blind. of Jocko white tea yeah. the second day of camp. We day, brought enough for day. the week. I don't know how many pallets that was. We brought enough for the week that the director here called me and said, um, we only have a case of Jocko white tea left. Yeah. So yeah, we had another, we had some more delivered. It's nice to be up here having a giant warehouse with it is a resupply. I know. Well, you know, we, we figured how many cans we were going to give away and it was like, Oh, if everyone has, you know, one or two a day, like 5,000 cans, we're going to go through 5,000 cans this week on the house. Mm hmm. Come to the immersion camp, get some free Jocko White tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. Also, Jocko has a store, store of his own online store, jockostore.com. This is where you can get, you know, discipline equals freedom, represent while you're on the path, right? Discipline equals freedom. Shirt with his head on it says good. Also, shirt without his head yeah, on it that yeah. says good if you don't, uh, if you don't fancy. like my head. Yeah, on your shirt. I your saw somebody at camp that liked your head. Yeah. Oh yeah, they had oh, a T-shirt. Yeah, that's that's right. It said a T-shirt that's that said, right. that said, "Hold on." It said, "Echo looks, looks jacked." jacked. <laughs> and she walked she by, and I was up. like, "I was like, is that a Jocko store T-shirt?" Yeah, is that a? Fi-? And Jocko's like, "No, that's custom." I'll tell like, you right. It's not. It's not Jocko store approved, but it's approved. Hundred <laughs> percent. I think. Yeah. I she was fired up. Too, Echo know, looking Jack. There was another guy yeah, that yeah. had. That was a <clears throat> there was another guy that had a good shirt on, not approved. It yeah. was a ripoff. Did you see him? No, but that I, happens. I from feel time bad. To time. And it's got. Well, if you see on Amazon, there's a bunch of like ripoffs, and mm. one of them is like the whole good speech yeah, right yeah. and it just says good really big but then everything else is really small and it's just an amazon you know somebody's making t 
Teespring or whatever. Yeah, thing. like and, yeah. So, anyways, and, and I, I actually didn't say anything to him. Yeah, because I, mean, I, you, I, I, you know, I can't be like, bro. Yeah, you got it unapproved. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, watch out for the counterfeits. Yeah, yeah. But hey, he's in a way he is rep like he's, his he's, action, his intention his is intention to is represent is strong. That's so, why I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not mad. His yeah. intention is good. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not mad it's, at him. Right. I'm just mad that someone's. Yeah, you know, some insurgents over yeah, there yeah, trying to yeah. trying to. Never know what could happen to insurgents. Actually, I do know flattery. what happens to insurgents. Yes, they get killed. Yeah. Yeah, they do, but yeah, we got some lightweight hoodies. A lot of approval on my lightweight hoodie. Yeah, I know. Here I in know. Maine, by the way. Oh, really? We're in Maine. It's summer. Exactly right. Um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not heavy, heavy, heavy function, function, function. Even though lightweight hoodies do have function aesthetically and raw functionality. I'm just saying. Does in that fact, lightweight hoodie show your biceps? Yes. <laughs> I like that you were 100% honest right there. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, it is true. Because it's like, it's good. It's, it's that I, you know, I know. And you know what? I know you appreciate the lightweight hoodie. I do. Because it has fashion I do. value. I do. Yeah. I think a lot of people I don't, do. I don't wear it as well as you yet, but I'm working on my biceps again. Yeah. You're looking good, by the oh, way. Thank you. Many people have approved that hoodie while I had it on. I approve the lightweight hoodie. They like the lightweight hoodie. Okay, I so think a lot like of it. us like the lightweight, lightweight it's hoodie. It's there. I didn't oh, like yeah. veto it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's completely awesome. Actually. Anyways, hats, hoodies, uh, all kinds of good stuff. JockoStore.com. The rash guards. Where are the rash guards made, by the way? Oh, American made. Oh. By none other than Origin. Origin Maine. Origin Maine. Origin USA. Just Origin. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. Also subscribe to Pete's podcast. The podcast that. is called Hands in Daylight. You talk about various jujitsu things. You talk about business things. You talk about history things. Would you say your podcast is kind of like my podcast minus war? Yeah, it would be more around like taking back America versus war, but the struggles of, you know. We, from an industry angle, yeah, I would from, say. Yeah, and it's a lot of storytelling, you yep. know, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, cool. it's it's a great podcast. It's called Hands in Daylight. This podcast is called Jocko Podcast. Echo doesn't think you've subscribed yet. If you haven't, Echo is disappointed. He would like you to subscribe right now. Well, you know, let's put kind of strongly, but yeah, cool. There you go. Subscribe is cool. It's good mm-hmm. to subscribe, I'm saying. What? I was about to say smash the subscribe button because that, that's just like yeah, a joke yeah. with everybody. Sp- I was watching some YouTube video the other day. They were test driving a car and it was a pretty good video. Like they were, they were entertaining guys. They were funny and I was like, oh, these guys are kind of cool. Like this is, these guys are cool and it's a good subject. You know, you're like watching, they're given, I mean, at, I like cars, right? Everyone likes cars, right? Sure. And they're test driving a car. And I was thinking, I was actually thinking, oh, if Echo and I were doing this, it'd be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when we test drove a car? I was test driving a car. You happened to be with me? Yes. And it was kind of fun, right? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if we there was cameras in there and we were just talking about how cool that car was, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was thinking that. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. These guys. And then in the middle of it, <laughs> they just start going... Um, and by the way, if you you know smash the like button and subscribe to us right now and go check our Patreon account, and I was just like, I stopped the video because they came at me like that. Yeah. So we have a joke, or we joked about, and then I I overused the joke where he was he said he gotcha. told me 
live like hey that's not funny anymore <laughs> so i was just about to do it again and then i <laughs> constrained myself and see, and it, see how it comes full circle and then yeah. now it is still kind of funny because yeah. it's yeah. clown so, of a joke you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then there's okay. a warrior kid podcast too so don't forget about that for your kids and don't forget about the irish oaks ranch.com young aiden macon soap on his farm with american hands as badass and american goats oh, yeah. running a business he's now 13 he started it when he was like 11. so cool he makes that soap so you can stay clean yep. youtube yeah youtube video version of this podcast you want to see what pete looks like big tall strong man masculine guy i'm just saying you're big exactly. you know <laughs> handsome whatever you know debatable but nonetheless if you want to see what he looks like yeah we have a youtube channel jocko podcast youtube channel also yep. some excerpts on there you know cut up the podcast i like what you've been doing lately with everything i like the the content you know pulling those excerpts mm-hmm. the snippets out and it's awesome do awesome. you prefer if it's just like me talking or do you prefer if I talk while things explode in the background? <laughs> yeah. I do like, I do like, um, both, but, uh, for me, I like when you're talking, but for echo, I like when things explode, like oh, when he you like, that's a yeah, very I, poorly I, I, correct. Hopefully answer. they don't like pull down your post on their post on Instagram. But like the other day when you're like, yeah, 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 yeah that, that trigger was, warning one, the yeah, trigger yeah. warning, yeah, trigger but, warning. Yeah, I love when you do that stuff. Right on, good. So I'm gonna keep that up. And the more explosions, the more better. That's what someone told me. Yeah, straight <laughs> up. Like, cool. Jocko says cool stuff. I get it. But the way I kind of kind of distilled it down as far as like the format is, if you're saying something important and it's kind of longer than one minute, I won't put any explosions on it. Cool. Okay. Under one minute, Maybe. explosions and flames, by uh, the way. We got psychological warfare, little moments of weakness that you might experience during your day in your brain, in your own little brain, little debates that are happening. The weak voice versus the strong voice. Sometimes the weak voice gets stronger and it needs to catch a beat down. That's when you pe- press play on your iPhone that little psychological warfare track that tells you, no, you're not going to skip leg day. You're going to go get it. Psychological warfare. That's MP3, iTunes, Google Play, all those MP3 platforms. If you want a visual version of that, that you can hang on a wall, functional graphics, go to flipsidecanvas.com. Dakota Meyer, my brother, he's making these canvases. And you know where they're made? Oh, they're made in America. Yep. That's right. What about what about our friend Dak? Yeah. So can we talk about the special project? Is there any reason not to? No. Let's do it. There's Go. no reason not to. <laughs> well, Dakota. Dakota Meyer. You know you got a helicopter? Yes. <laughs> he's like he's like Because that's what he needs. I know. Right? <laughs> he's like, bro, you and Brian gotta come down to Texas. I'll come and pick you up. I'm like uh, cool. I'm like, get your license first. <laughs> oh man, have you ever been crazy. to one of those kind of helicopters? That he's no, got? it freaks me out. The that kind of helicopter when you go into it, I've been in them before. They seem like you, you remember when you built a model when you were a kid. Did you, get, yeah, did you yeah, ever do yeah. a build a model when yeah. you were a kid and it was little plastic pieces and they stuck them together with test testers glue? Yeah, mm. it seems like this is one elevation above that. Just one. It seems like someone made this thing out of little right. erector set pieces. Yes. That's what it seems. That's what those helicopters feel like when you get in them and when you fly them. 
That's what they feel like. You, if you don't like flying, you're not going to be game for that. Especially with Dakota Travis. I will decline your ass. I will decline. <laughs> and plus you weigh 900 pounds. <laughs> so that thing would be like flying lopsided. <laughs> well, he yeah. is a savage. Yes. And uh, we're actually going to do that energy drink for him. The, I don't, we got to come up with a better name than energy drink for the new yeah, go. No. What do you, we we'll, should, we'll, we'll think about we'll it. Think, but, but it's going to be called Dak Savage. Dak Savage. Dak Savage. I like it. So we know. I know I didn't get this jaco approved, but the background is oh. ca- is camo. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, it's no. a lightweight camo. No, I like, seen it. Okay, yeah, you sent right. it to me. Cool. Or either you or B did. B little might have sent it to me. Oh yeah, I guess I guess we yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks awesome. Looks so, legit. That's going into production pretty quick. What? F- how would you describe that flavor? <sighs> well, he really likes Dr Pepper. Mm, interesting. So it's like a like a. What do they call it? Black, cherry, vanilla. Cherry, black cherry black, vanilla. Yeah, black cherry vanilla. There you go. Awesome. Also on it for fitness gear, kettlebells, battle ropes, rings, maces, steel bells, you know, all this kind of, would you call that new age workout? Is that no, what you call it? That? Opposite direction. Opposite Function. direction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like old school old brought school. back, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Functional yeah. strength. Yeah. It's yeah. weird, especially like kettlebells, how they kind of came back like with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. Did I ever send you a leather medicine ball that we were making? No. I'm going to no, send you one. Not. I'm going to send you one. But I saw one in the mountain training facility. Okay, the other day. there you go. Yeah. I had a good workout in there the other morning. Yeah? Yeah, I did have a good workout yeah, in there we the other morning. We heard, bro. This got a good day, vibe, This is it? the day that Echo slept. <laughs> oh, shit. This is the day did that you Echo tell slept. What you thought? <laughs> okay, so Echo was... We we had a long we we flew from California to Boston. We recorded our podcast in Boston. Once we got done in Boston, we drove. It was an early late night, early morning. Drove to Maine. What what? We stayed up late that night for some reason. Oh yeah. Then we went to your house. Mm -hmm. We hung out. Then we went back, and so we got to bed. It wasn't that late of a night. We got to bed at like ten o'clock, ten thirty. So I wake up in the morning. I'm in Maine, I'm stoked, I'm at the mountain training facility, and I go downstairs, you got, and it was one of those things, I just had just figured out a good little workout with the equipment that you had, I went, you guys had in a Bulgarian bag, a 28 kilogram kettlebell, Mm -hmm. which is, which is in between, I have 24, I have 32, so I had a little meat, you know, just just a little mix it up, I was gonna up the reps, you know, (laughs) to try some other movements, Mm -hmm. and so I'm down there getting after, it's 4.30, I get done with that, and I was cranking up some music. I was cranking up some oh, rock and roll. Oh yeah, yep. Play, little playlist. Yep, Danzig. Yep, little some Danzig, some Caius. Sure. And then it just playing whatever. I get done. I go upstairs, shower, get done, and I have two documents that I got to edit. So I edit these documents, and it's you know it takes a while, to, but two legit full documents I'm editing. Get done with that. And then I look at my watch. That was the morning we talked for like two hours. Yes, we talked for two hours okay, after I got done working. I went for a run. I actually went oh, for a run right. down yeah. your towards your old house. Yeah, I yeah. went for a nice long run. I get done with all this stuff. Yeah, and I I look at my watch and, and Dean and and Echo are still asleep. And I go, well, that's weird that they're still asleep. And it's two. It's twelve forty <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> And at first I no movement. So I sent him a text like <laughs> so I sent him a text like, Hey, are you guys alive? Like kind of calling him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think to myself, wait a second, maybe they it's been fourteen hours. <laughs> they must be dead. <laughs> 
they must be dead. And I got like a little nervous and I thought, <laughs> this, I'm, I'm like, they, they have carbon monoxide poisoning, right? Yeah, oh, like I get it. Okay, I sleep less, right, than a normal person. Cool. I got some weird genetics. Cool. I sleep five hours. This is three times that, right? There's no way a person can sleep that long. I think there's carbon monoxide pores and I'm gonna go and fight cold bodies. I go in there and they're just like, uh, echoes, you know, like, oh, this is really tired. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, so oh, there you man. go. It was nice. Nonetheless, oh. anyway, on it, yeah, on it. That's where yep. you get the cool stuff. Kettlebells, they did come back. I do have a 28 pound or kilogram kettlebell. Yeah. I was like, what, 62? I kind of liked it, man. From I kind of liked oh, it. Oh, yeah. I kind of liked having the little intermediary. The problem is I can go overboard with stuff, as we know. Well, you and just I'm increase the just, reps until you die. Not only not, no, just get like, I'll have every kettlebell imaginable. Oh, yeah, I do. I have the whole spectrum. And yeah. it takes, but man, it's worth it because like you can modulate like throughout yeah, the whole workout, especially if you're doing kettlebells, which I highly recommend, by the way. Do kettlebells, Pete? Um, I've just started recently. Uh, just so just good. like swinging them. You know? Yeah. yeah. You so. should be swinging a nice lightweight because you got your back situation. Well, yeah. Swing a nice lightweight and it is so good for you. Man, it feels good. You don't. Yeah. Here's the thing about kettlebell swings. You won't feel this because you're going light. But you think to yourself, oh, I got whatever. I got my 40 kilogram kettlebell. No factor. I'll swing this thing. You know, it's going to be pretty easy. And the first six of them, it is easy. Yeah. You're like, what is this? Yeah, I yeah. got this. By the time you get to 16, you're like, okay. Yep. yep. Then you get to 24 and you're like, okay. Yeah, yep. I By see the, what's going on. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, it kicks you. Yeah. It kicks it's you pretty good, hard. Man. Even on the rowing machine. You got a different rowing machine, but on a Concept 2 rowing machine, when you start, you're like, all right, I'm going to blast this thing out. And it, it takes a minute for your for your uh, energy system. What's that first energy system that you're using? Uh, like the ATP. Yeah, like the ATP, that immediate sprint one. And you're like using that, and but then it gets used up. Yes, you know, your anaerobic, up. that's what it is. Your anaerobic system gets used up, and then mm. you're just sucking. But you think you're yeah. Superman for the first, you know. Mm. How many, how many meters do you usually row? It just depends on what I'm doing. Just depends what I'm doing, you know. And I use it usually for sprinting. I'm usually not in there going oh, for 20 okay. minutes. I've, I've been doing it a little 30 bit. minutes when I couldn't run because my knee. I was rowing a little bit more, and I was using minimum. I wasn't going to full range of motion. But anyway, so how long are you going? I go 30 minutes. Yeah, that's cool. And I try to do 8,000 meters. Yeah, that's cool. 30 minutes. That's just cool. consistent. Same yeah, speed, yeah, no not stop. like dude. Yeah. I, I I did one the other night because that the the mountain retreat. Where you had the great workout? That was our our original factory, yeah, yeah. all the big timbers and stuff. So of course, cool, man, that place. I uh, I've been working out in the evenings, and I did one the other night. It was I got home and it was really late, and I just kept all the lights out and I rode mm. in the in the pitch black. Could you see the monitor or anything? No, and so you I just and rode until you felt like I you'd rode. Enough? I actually rode against my shadow because there was just a little bit of light behind me casting a shadow on the wall, and I just just like chasing my shadow and it was the best workout i had no idea how long i had rode i just knew like 30 minutes i set the timer for in the pitch black and it was freaking phenomenal oh, so great, you did set the timer my phone timer yeah God, and it just went off went off boom so done. and you had no idea uh, it was just a yeah, puddle of sweat, puddle of sweat. <laughs> nasty so it's kind of kind of spiritual right yeah it's exactly like shadow, that's what i'm getting like, at you know, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm just it saying was, that's what it you sounded got, like you, you see what i'm saying uh Hey, I got some books. I got a new book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. That is available for pre-order right now. If you want to get a first edition, then you should order it right now. If you don't, 
Well, it doesn't really matter what you do. Is that a hard copy or? Oh, yes. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Really? It's, it's a hardcover book. Yeah. It's not the same size as the original field manual. It's smaller so that people can carry it. That's one of the things that when you look at the field manual, you're like, well, do we want to be able to carry it? I'm like, yeah, probably this one is to be used in the field leadership. What are some of like the, the chapter names? So it's, it's broken down like this. There's 80 chapters. Holy shit. Yeah, but, there's so there's 80 chapters, but they're short. Got it. Quick. Hitting chapters Quick where you go. And it's all about leadership. It's uh, my bosses micromanage me. What do I do? How how would this work for for some of my my floor managers? Because awesome. they, they're plugged into the training program, the Echelon Front Training Program, the online program, oh, yeah. which has been awesome. Yeah. You know, but it would be nice because they can't they can't like be on that while they're operating. We call them operators, mm -hmm. right? While they're operating. But if they did have like a book yep. that was like that, they that's could That's what it is. That's why I made it. Yeah. And, and, and another thing is I used to be able to say if someone said, Hey, you know, as far as practical application of these principles, what do I do if my if I got a guy that's if I got a guy that's got a lot of potential but he's not doing what he should be doing, what should I do? And I used to just be able to say, Hey, just listen, you know, go go listen to the podcast. And you when there was twenty podcasts, it's like, Oh, cool, you know, you listen to the podcast. Now if I tell someone, Oh, the answer is in the podcast, I'm basically assigning them over 500 hours yeah, of yeah, listening yeah, and that's crazy. just inappropriate, right? So I had to take all this information and like distill it down so you could say, hey, you could just look it up. It's highly indexed. Okay. So you can just look up that's cool. the subject and boom, go. So it, Totally would, pragmatic. So would, if for for like our, our managers, our floor managers, would you say that the book replaces the online training or they serve two different purposes? They serve two different purposes. Here's the facts. You, 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 wanna, you don't get good at anything through one direction of training. How much, better you at, how much better are you at an arm lock if you learn it from four different instructors? Oh, yeah. You're, oh, you're way better. better. How much better are you at any learning a subject if you learn three books about a subject instead of one? Oh yeah, infinitely better. It's not just better; it's not. It's not. It's exponentially better because you're able to compare and contrast what you learned the first time with what you learned the second time. You see it from another angle. So you see it one dimensional. You see it two dimensional. On the third time you read a book about the same subject, you see it the third dimension. The fourth time, now you're seeing the fourth dimension of right. things, and that continues to go. So all these things. So they all, need both. All these things are an effort to give the different perspectives and different angles on these subjects because the better you get at them just like training jujitsu if if you the more you the more time you spend on bottom inside control the better you get at handling it the more time you spend dealing with different leadership problems the better you get at it the more different angles you can see the better you get at it so that's the purpose but i would say the initial idea was like listen people need to be able to apply these principles they need because here's another thing people read Extreme ownership. They they actually understand the principles. They can explain the principles back to you. But as far as overlaying those principles and even overlaying the examples onto what they're dealing with, sometimes people, sometimes some people have a hard time making those things overlay properly. And so here it is. Instead of saying, here's the principle overlaid on your thing, it's like, here's what it will look like right now when you put it there. Yeah. It's more, it's more direct 
You don't have to, you can do less. You, you can, you can, you can, it's just, it's just more direct. So that's the leadership strategy and tactics field manual. Um, I, I did just get a note from my publisher and they said this was superb. 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 And you know, that's pretty cool when you get, you know, when you've written a bunch of books and someone, this book is superb. That's especially from a publisher that reads books all the time. Mm. And they don't have to send you that note. Like this was from someone at the publishing company that doesn't, doesn't just send out notes. Right. So it's pretty cool. So they probably read it and are applying the strategies. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably like, okay, I'm going to use this now. Totally. Um, Also way the warrior kid three, where there's a will, you can get that right now. Way the Warrior Kid one, Mark's mission. The the how many people at camp? How many books? How many Warrior Kid books have you seen me sign at camp? All of them. Yeah, all of them. They're, I mean, there's just people everybody. after people after people after people. Those books are having such an incredible impact. It's so amazing to see. I don't think there's anything that makes me feel better at this point in my life than uh, than getting showing a, a parent showing me a video of a little kid doing a pull-up and then looking at the camera and saying, I'm a warrior kid. Yeah, it's badass. This doesn't get any better than that. I've been signing warrior kid books too, by the way. That's awesome. I didn't write it, by the way, Mm. but I signed a few. That's awesome. I took the picture in the back. That's something. We gotta make a contribution. Gotta make a movie. We're working it. We're working it. Uh, Yep, and then Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. That's another field manual. This one's directed at you individually. How to get after it. The audio version is on MP3s. It's not on Audible. Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy Leadership, the first two books where you learn the principles. You have to know the principles. If you don't know the principles, applying them doesn't make any sense to you. So Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy Leadership, get these principles into your head so that you can apply them at your business, at your life. They work. They work. That's another thing I hear all the time from people. They say, you know, I've been using it. It works. It works. They'll give me a specific example of how it works. I had, this call, I had this customer call me and they said, blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know what? That's my fault. And they said, you know what? I probably should have given you a better heads up. It works. <laughs> it works. We got our leadership consultancy, which is called Echelon Front. Go to echelonfront.com. If you have problems in your organization, of any kind, of any kind, they are leadership problems. And you need to help get your leadership squared away and aligned, and that is what we do at Echelon Front. Echelonfront.com, we got EF Online. Do you, which, do you, do you, go. Do you share the size of clients you work with? Like, do you let people know, like, you guys are on the road, or I should say, around the world all the time helping companies? Yeah become better leaders, big companies. Like sometimes we get on the phone, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm here. Then they say like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. Like do people actually understand the impact you're just having on leadership in corporate America as a whole? I, 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 maybe I don't do a great job of explaining that. Um, we work with the largest companies in the world. Yeah. And we also work with smaller companies as well. And if you're so small that it's out of the price range for you as a company. Guess what? We got something called the muster. You can sign up and come to one of our musters where we teach these principles. You can bring three, four people in your leadership team. If you've got a company of, you know, what, 20 people, you can bring three, four of your leaders and you kind of get that initiated. And then you can use something called EF Online, which you are using. Yeah, we use it. Yeah, and my, you know, and it's nice because 
before like it's always come come to me come to me come to me come to me you know and helping helping our our leaders which is basically everybody in the factory become better leaders Mm -hmm. and to learn leadership principles but now they can go online and then they come to me with questions they have Mm -hmm. right so it's honestly it doesn't take as much time which is wonderful so the efficiencies are going up you know what i did at first they were you know a few like jill the one that's stitching here and jan and a few others they're like when can we start can we do this on company time that was the first question. Mm-hmm. Can we, and, and of course, we don't have computers set up and everything. And I was like, yes, yes, you can. Because I wanted them to know that I'm invested in this. For sure. And once I, and so I was using the leadership techniques to <laughs> teach leadership. Yes, indeed. And then once they saw that I was in, then they went home and then they got online. Yeah. And I was like, now they're doing it on their own time because I was invested yeah. in them doing it on this, on our time. Of course. On company you time. Want, so. Think of the cost benefit and the ROI we get right. at Origin, you get at Origin because of the leadership. Yep. It's just the way it is. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's good. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, what else we got? We got, so yeah, if you can't come to, if you can't, if you can't hire echelon front, go to the muster. The next one's taking place December 4th and 5th in Sydney. We're about to release the follow on dates for 2020 as soon as we can. The thing is, here's the deal. They all sell out. They all sell out 100%, and it's not like, hey, it's sold out, but we can fit in eight more people. No, it's sold out, and we no one else will be coming. So, Want to hear a crazy statistic? Yes. Somebody said to me today, you know how many Americans there are? I was like, yeah, it's 300 million Americans. And they're like, you know how many people are at this immersion camp? And I said, well, 300 per session. He's like, so one in a million. And I said, yeah, and we had to cut registration off three months early. Mm-hmm. How many people do you let in to the muster? It looks like, it depends on the size of the venue, but it's anywhere between 700 and 850. But the Australian one, we have less. We have a smaller venue. We just couldn't get the size venue that we need, so we have less. But So two in a million you're letting in. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you know what, I mean, it's, yeah. Like, it's, as it far as value out. added is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, so come and check out the monster. And then, of course, we have EF Overwatch, which we already, already talked about on this podcast, taking people that have experience in leadership and putting them into companies in the civilian sector. So if you're a company that needs leadership or you're a leader that needs to move on to your next mission in life, go to efoverwatch.com. And if you haven't heard enough of us, if you haven't heard enough stories about jujitsu, shoes, jeans, whatever else, you can find us on the interwebs. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. We're on Dine Fusionbach. What's Dine Fusionbach? Oh, Facebook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've kind of, like, uh, it's evolved. Wait, so you look real concerned. You were like, wait, 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 wait. What are we on? Oh, I thought Fusion? it was Facebook. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, I know. It was. It's, uh, yeah. Pete is on Instagram. He's at. I was forced to go on Instagram, but now that's your primary. No, well, I mean I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's not prime. What do you mean by prime? What that's what that you mean? seem to do your most activity on. You think? Where do you think you do most activity on? Origins. Oh no, I'm saying Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Instagram is where you do most of your yes, interaction. I have. You yes. do do Twitter. Yeah. Because I because nah. I throw Twitter at your direction. Yeah. People say when you throw it. At, I hey, when on. are the jeans coming out? I say 
as ask, soon as or at Origin BJJ yeah. releases them, yeah, and then I'll psh, yeah. jump on. Then yeah. you'll jump. No, on. I do most of my activity on Instagram. Yes. So and those two are at Origin USA, and then also at Pete M Roberts. Yeah, Pete dot M dot Roberts. Oh, Pete dot M dot Roberts. That's and a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, there's two people that got their names. One's name is at Echo Charles, and one's name is at Jocko Willink. And all the stuff that we're doing right now, we would not be doing any of it without our military out there protecting the freedoms that we have. So thank you all for holding the line, and also to our police and our law enforcement and our firefighters and our paramedics and our EMTs and our dispatchers and the correctional officers and the Border Patrol and the Secret Service and all the first responders that are out there, you're the ones that are protecting us here at home and protecting our way of life. So thank you for what you do. And to everyone else that's out there, there is much to be done. And I'll tell you what, no matter what you hear about how much competition there is in the world, the fact of the matter is there aren't that many people that are actually willing to do the work. It's you. So get up, get to work, and get after it. And until next time, this is Pete Roberts and Echo and Jocko, out.